This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Does the, is the sound working? The sound is working. I'm a little blown out here. It's very, very bright. We're coming to you live from the congressional offices of Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. We are in the Capitol and we're going to have an awesome uh, array of guests to talk about a lot of what's been going on. So the other day, of course, we had the State of the Union address from Joe Biden, which was interesting to me. It sounded a lot like another campaign speech where he actually said a lot of things were really bad. That was surprising. Like this person's dying of cancer and this person, you know, there was a mass shooting and and this bad thing happened and this is police brutality. And I found it interesting that he talked about really bad things, but then went on to say, don't worry, things will get better. I do find that interesting. So we'll talk about that. While he was speaking, he lied about several things and was booed by members of the Republican Party. And then, of course, we had today a hearing with the Twitter executives from before Elon Musk. And we had some, I think, justified questions as well as some performative outrage. So we're going to be hanging out with a slew of Republican members of Congress to talk about just about everything. And uh, I got to tell you guys, I, I hope you can hear it. And I hope it's coming in. Serge and, and Andrew were able to put this podcast studio together in a matter of a couple hours. We like rush from the studio, bring it down. There's cameras and everything set up. And uh, I got to admit, it was quite difficult. Some things weren't working, but I think we figured out to a, a good enough degree that we're actually going to be able to do a show. But we're probably not going to have any, any clips or displays or articles. We're just going to talk about what's going on. So it should be fun. Thank you all so much for joining us and uh, become a member at TimCast.com to support our work. We're going to have a members only show, of course, tonight. At least that's the hope. So we'll be here late at the uh, congressional offices. But as a member, you're supporting our cultural work as well as getting access to our uncensored members-only segments. So again, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel. Joining us tonight, we have sitting with us right now is Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. This is kind of crazy. Yes. Uh, thanks. It took me two months to set this office up. I just moved in here and we just had to undo everything. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Totally worth it. It's very cool. And thanks for inviting us. This is kind of kind of wild. We, we, we came up with it like the last minute on Friday. Your communications people were like, hey, come and build a studio down here. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So creative. I love it. Yeah. So do you want to introduce yourself briefly for those that who, I, I, don't, I think everybody knows who you are, but. Sure. Yes. Well, um, I'm Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. I represent Colorado. Oh, her, uh, sorry. Her audio is really low. Do you see that? <clears throat> no audio. Uh oh. Bring it up. Uh-oh. What about that microphone? You see, this is what happens when you build a podcast. Lauren Bobert is the Congresswoman of Colorado. Uh, what's what? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to speak for you the whole show. Just yeah. How was that? That's weird. I can hear it. Marco. I can hear just fine. Yeah, I can hear me. Brian says there's no volume on the right side. Okay, I can hear me in 
What? Oh yeah, yeah and, and 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 Hannah Claire doesn't have no audio on your mic either. I think either. This is what this is what happens when you try to set up a podcast studio in two hours. I told you guys. I said I'm I'm surprised we got half as good as we did. You know what? Uh, you want to switch seats with me in the meantime, Lauren? Let's here come over here and All talk right, that to works. Tim. You can hear, yeah, we got Tim. Cool. Well, I'm talking. That worked. And the and the and the light is so much brighter over here too for some reason. All right. And there's there's. All right. Now you can introduce yourself. All right. Well, I am Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. And I represent Colorado's third district. So I'm on the, the western slope of Colorado. Uh, that's where I live. And, uh, you know, it's a fantastic district. I represent about half the state of Colorado. Uh, and it's a beautiful country. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot of Californians have come into Colorado and have been taking over. Uh, but I, I, I didn't want to be in politics. That wasn't my uh, inspiration ever in life. I'm a mom of four boys. I uh, was a small business owner, owned a few restaurants. One of them uh, had a lot of national notoriety shooters grill all of the waitresses open carried firearms and we had that for about nine years and uh, you know I, I just got frustrated at politicians uh, you know they would say one thing on the campaign trail and then they would get to where we send them and they would do something completely different none of them would govern as they campaigned and so that frustration really led me to say you know I'm gonna do my part to serve I'm gonna step up and, and do what I can to uh, to make things right and get our country back on track uh, so I'm here uh, this is my second term in Congress, and uh, it's it's been amazing to to stand up for the people, to fight for the people. And there's been some really fun fights that we've had. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. pictures of you yelling at the president. I think. Uh, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Well, you know, when when gosh, Joe Biden was um, going to completely skip over the 13. American heroes who died on his watch in Afghanistan and uh, I wasn't going to let that happen wow. and so I was sure to remind him that he sent them home in flag draped coffins wow. 13 of them and uh, even his uh, press secretary at the time uh, his spin doctor Jen Psaki she came on the next day to say that he didn't have time to talk about them and I said you know that that's really evident actually because he didn't have time for them when they were brought home to Dover either uh, so it's total disgrace and actually last night at the State of the Union Again, he did not mention these 13 uh, American heroes who died on his watch from that horrible, shameful withdrawal in Afghanistan. I call it a surrender. It, 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 no, yes, it is. No, See, I hear no you. we can hear it, but it's not coming through. Uh, it's the biggest. No, hey, 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 nobody can hear you. Damn, well, it's a sur <laughs> surrender. He surrendered the American military. Damn, because what he's saying is good. No, it, it was a surrender. You're absolutely right. Um, that was a surrender to the Taliban, and we left $86 billion in military equipment, the finest military equipment in the world, right there in the hands of the Taliban. Uh, you know, I, th I think rather than sending Ukraine $110 billion, we should be going and getting that military equipment instead of sending Ukraine tanks and, and the fighter jets that they're wanting. Well, let's go get that stuff. Help them out with What's, that. What is it? It's the cable's bad. Well, nobody can hear you, Ian. So it's like you're just, Ian's desperately trying to talk to people. Maybe, maybe it's what's what's going on. Okay. Well, well, look, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as I stated, we we rushed down to D.C. It's like an hour and ten or so minutes drive, and then Serge and Andrew quickly rep put this whole thing together. Everybody can hear Ian and Hannah Claire in the headsets, but for some reason it's not, it's not coming through to you guys. But we're gonna have a, a either way. It'll be fun because uh, not only do we have Congresswoman uh, Lauren Boebert sitting right here taking Ian's seat for the time being, but uh, we're gonna, Jim Jordan's coming down. Yes. Uh, Byron Donalds, Anna Paulina Luna. Yes. Um, Matt Gates. Matt Gates. Yes. So uh, we'll just talk about all this stuff, and it's gonna be somewhat 
different from how we normally do things because normally we do segments, we have we have clips, we have you know articles and stuff to pull up. But uh, I think for now, considering the technical difficulties, we should just uh, talk. Is that is that uh, Matt Gates is in the chat? Shout out. <laughs> so uh, well, let's just let's just hey let's Matt. Just, Let's just get started while they try and fix these uh, uh, microphones. And I suppose we'll just talk. Uh, sure. Uh, Congresswoman. So uh, what should we start with? Should we start with the State of the Union or the Twitter stuff? What do you think? Oh, gosh, there, there's so much to start with. I mean, we started this whole year with a, an explosive um, debate and it hasn't stopped. We haven't slowed up. Uh, um, so sure, let's talk about the State of the Union. State of the Union. So here's what we, we watched it live. We provided commentary. I do think one of the funniest things about it is that Jack Posobiec leaked the script, mm-hmm. his entire script, in the middle of his speech. So we're watching. We've got 40-some-odd thousand live viewers at the time, and I'm reading his words before he even says them, which I, I get it. They have speech writers, but it really did make it feel so much more plastic. Like mm-hmm. someone wrote this for him, and he was just saying whatever. It, it, it didn't feel real. Well, it, it felt to me like he was saying a bunch of bad things were happening. Yes. Yes, he was. Police brutality killed this person. You know, uh, he didn't mention people are smuggling eggs over the Mexican border, but he said a lot of don't worry, we will do things in the future. Mm -hmm. His party has been in power uh, for the past two years and they've done nothing but destroy our country and make it worse and increase inflation and and open our borders. Uh, So why didn't they do it then? You know, we're we're battling this in committee right now. uh, Natural resources and oversight. Democrats are saying, uh, you know, we want to work to do this. We want to work to secure the border and have immigration reform. Well, why didn't you do any of it in the last two years? You had every ability to pass whatever you wanted and you didn't. And and Tim, I kind of wish I would have had his script uh, because Matt Gates and I were sitting together on the House floor and we were wishing that uh, Joe Biden would just turn around the teleprompter so we could read it ourselves because half the time we're saying, what did he just say? Yeah. We we think he's talking about big tech. I, I don't know. There was a crazy point where he said, you could see in the closed caption, he said, if Republicans try to raise the cost of prescription drugs, I will veto it. But what he actually said was, if Republicans try to raise drug, I'll veto it. Yes. And the Democrats all stood up and started <laughs> like, clapping hey. for it. And I was like, what did he just, what, what are they clapping for? Can, is, I don't, <laughs> Ian's it, trying so hard to talk. <laughs> well, see, what y'all couldn't see were the applause lights flashing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but let me, let me ask you about uh, uh, one of the most contentious moments. He said that Republicans want to do away with Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and then immediately the Republicans start booing and saying no. I can say from what I've seen from the speeches and from the news reports, that's not true. Right. And um, I can only assume he's lying on purpose for right. political power. Right, because they, they saw how effective this was when Paul Ryan uh, started talking about Social Security and Medicare. And, you know, he's pushing granny off a hill. He's going to kill granny. And they saw the effectiveness in that and haven't haven't stopped. Even in my first election, the Democrat that I was running against was saying that I was going against these things. I was like, well, this hasn't been on any of my talking points. This isn't a part of any of my contract with Colorado that I've laid out and what I plan to do when I get to Washington, D.C. And, and so so they're just starting this rhetoric all over again because they want to scare people. They understand the power of fear and, and that's how they govern. And I, I, I won't govern out of fear. I won't be governed by fear. And they see this as a powerful tool to just scare people into to falling in line. One of the things uh, that I've been talking about for the past couple of days. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. 
Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Egg prices. Because I don't, I don't know if you know, if you follow the show, I'm a big fan of chickens because we have Chicken City and we have chickens all over the place. And uh, I, it, it's somewhat of a joke when I talk about, hey, everybody, get out of the cities, get some animals, get chickens. And it's funny because it, it's meant to be somewhat silly because I find chickens to be entertaining. But then we get this egg crisis. Do you put and, pants on them? We, we have, they have armor, actually. They have the, the big straps on their shoulders. because Well, it's because the roosters can be a little rough, yeah. you know, when they take what they want. But, uh, but no, now we're dealing with, it, with an egg and chicken shortage, which mm-hmm. has been coming in and out, actually. And what I'm hearing from a lot of the more liberal people is that, well, no, this is caused by the avian flu, which doesn't explain why people are smuggling eggs from Mexico into the United States. Right. Which right. is more indicative of a policy problem that's not mm-hmm. being taken care of or fixed. So, oh, is that, are we getting somewhere? Nope. 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 But, but in that regard, I guess uh, my question for you is, what, what do you think should be done right now that would help lower the cost of food, maybe increase wages? Like, what are some economic uh, ideas that you think the Republicans could implement? I mean, obviously, we're, we're working on the, the spending. There's been reckless spending here in Washington, D.C. Um, and, you know, and rightfully, both parties are, are, to, cause, are to blame for that. Um, but the past two years, uh, I, it's just been absolute out of control spending whatever you want. You get a stimulus check and, and we're, we're increasing all of, all of these um, uh, spending bills by trillions of dollars. We're given less than 24 hours to actually read the bills before we vote on them. Um, so that's obviously a big factor. Um, so we're, we're going to tackle that debt ceiling debate um, here in the upcoming months. Uh, but also American energy. I mean, yeah. let's get us energy independent again. Joe Biden surrendered that. You talk about surrender. He surrendered our American energy on day one in his office at the stroke of a pen. And so let's drill here responsibly. Let's have American energy uh, and, uh, and and produce that reliably and affordably um, for Americans. I mean, those those two things right there coupled together lower inflation and, uh, and, and help Americans get out of this mess. Biden literally campaigned on ending fossil fuels. Yes. He, he was on the debate stage saying that he will work to end fossil fuels in this country. Then he does these State of the Union address, addresses, not just this one, but the past one where he's talking about how he's going to help. But he's not. No. In fact, we just got uh, new emails released. The Daily Mail reported this. Hunter Biden laptop emails showing that Joe and Hunter were working on a deal to sell natural gas from Louisiana to China. Right. Now, I think um, I, I think this was after he was vice president, before he became president. But I mean, it's clearly based on what he said and what he's done as a private business person in between his his, uh, public office. He seems to be more interested in selling off our energy yes. and shutting it down. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, even emptying our stati- strategic petroleum uh, petroleum reserves, that was in the name of a midterm election. Uh, this was for emergencies, and he did it uh, to win political points with voters. Uh, but no, he's absolutely shutting down American energy. And even in the State of the Union last night, uh, Joe Biden's like, hey, look, I get it. Oil. We got at least a decade left of it. <laughs> what? The entire Republican Party just uh, erupted in, in laughter at him. Uh, so he did campaign on canceling uh, fossil fuels, and he did it on day one. Uh, on day one, um, there was all of these executive orders that came out, moratoriums on um, leases on federal lands and ending fracking uh, in Colorado's western slope. We used to have 112 rigs drilling. Now we have four. Our, our communities have been regulated into poverty. And it, it's really unfortunate because we produce the cleanest energy. And nobody does it better than American uh, energy producers. And he's shutting it all down. You know what I think is worrying with all of this? 
Joe Biden can do all of these things. Mm-hmm. He can he can put a moratorium on uh, oil and gas leases on federal land. He can shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Regular people can't understand how that leads to higher gas prices right. because it, it's, it's a bit outside of the common knowledge. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be disrespectful to anybody who doesn't get it, but uh, we've talked about it on this show. When he shuts down Keystone, mm-hmm. we get the talking points in the media that this thing was never delivering oil in the first place, therefore it doesn't matter. On, on this show, we explain speculation mm-hmm. that if right now they're telling you in the next five years, we will not be able to meet demand because transportation will be unavailable. That means supply will be constrained. This causes people to speculate. The prices are going to go up, which causes the immediate effect right. of them buying as much as possible, which yes. drives prices up. Yes. So it's, it's all interconnected. And I wish it was much, much simpler than this. But I, I can put it simply when you've got California, Oregon, Washington saying we're to ban gas cars. Mm-hmm. Yet their agenda is clearly aligned with shutting down fossil fuels because they're concerned about climate change. Right. Look, fine. I mean, if they're concerned about this stuff, I get it. I, I think, you know, there's pollution, pollution, bad and all this stuff. But this idea that we get from the more extreme elements of this movement, notably Greta Thunberg, which is she outright said, we want to shut down fossil fuels now. We don't right. want to wait. Like that would result in 60 million dead around the world within like a day or so. Absolutely. No, fossil fuels have lifted so many people out of poverty uh, and uh, they do want it shut down. And even when California said, you know, we're going to ban gas vehicles. Well, the very next week they said, hey, uh, please don't charge your electric vehicles because our grid can't handle it. Uh, I mean, that was the very next week. Uh, And so their policies do not work. They're they're not effective, um, but they are effective in their messaging and uh, and they're they're doing everything that they can to to destroy it. Um, If they want to talk about climate change. Well, I, I mean, I have forestry legislation um, that deals with that very issue. And look, I'm not here to deny climate change. It's real. It happens four times every year. I'll go on the record and say <laughs> it. Um, but if carbon emissions, if, if that's if that's your problem, well, then let's manage our forests. Because one yeah. catastrophic wildfire emits more carbon emissions in a few short days than every vehicle in my state of Colorado running 24-7 for an entire year. No. Nope. Well, nope. I'll tell you guys, <laughs> it's not the carbon that's being produced that's a problem. It's the carbon in the atmosphere that's the problem. And if we can pull it out of the atmosphere, which we can, and turn it into graphene and reindustrialize our country, I mean, that, it's, it's waiting for us to take. And it's going to become competition for the carbon in the air. Mm-hmm. The Chinese CCP is going to start attempting to strip it out faster than we can. So if we don't work together. Hi, everyone. Is it working? Hi. Can you hear me? Tell me. Good. Please, you can hear me. No, I don't. I don't. It's just yeah. proof of life. You can just see that the, the there. Well, so, you know, look, I, I, I like the idea. I, I understand people are concerned about carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a rudimentary, there's, there's something basic that people can understand in. The more people you have, the more energy you consume, mm-hmm. the more waste products are produced, the more pollution you get. And I think the simplest, the, the, the best way it's been explained by a lot of uh, conservatives is we must be good stewards of the earth. Right. But I'm sorry, as, as much as, you know, I'll, 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 I'll back up. I used to work for Greenpeace. Mm-hmm. Briefly, I worked for an organization called Environment America. Mm-hmm. I actually went around telling people like, hey, we got to be good stewards of the earth. We, we got to protect the forest. We got to clean this stuff up. And then I got really confused when I'd hear stories about politicians buying beachfront property while telling right. me that they're going to be swept up in the oceans. And so my thought was either they don't care about what happens to the rest, what, ha- what happens to this planet in 20 or 30 years. If they're coming out and saying, we're going to th- these, it's going to be wiped out in 20 years, but then they buy the property. They clearly don't care. Right. Or they're just lying. Right. No, you're not. What? On the internet, are saying everybody can hear me. So, do you want to swap back, Lauren, and take the seat back, or you want to hang? Oh, let's make sure you're really on first. Yeah, I, 
And also, did you guys hear me talking about carbon sequestration? Because <laughs> darn it, that was good stuff. Carbon is so valuable. I don't, people don't know, understand it yet. No audio for me. In. So, so we have a, we have an audio meter. It's showing like, Ian, you're not coming in. Yeah, so we can hear you in the headphones, but no one can hear you on the show. So I don't know. Um, you can maybe br- again, bring, the, sure. bring the chair over here, and then I'll just swing the mic around to you. Yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. No? Some people, some people say yes, some people say no. Brian, you know what? Brian says no. Yeah. Well, maybe some know. people are picking up the feedback from the other mics. Yeah, like you might be able to hear something faint in the background. Well, I don't know. See if, I don't know, man. Look, we, we threw this together in a couple hours. It is what it is. So let's just, uh, we'll, we'll just keep talking, I suppose. You know, I don't know if Ian want you to pull, want to pull up a chair or something. Okay, Ian's going to try and see what he can figure out with this stuff. But yeah, so look, uh, I grew up in the city. I, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up surrounded by liberals. I grew up surrounded by Democrats. And they and, and it all makes sense to me when you hear stories about dead zones in mm-hmm. uh, in the Gulf of Mexico where life can't exist. When you hear about the mercury levels in our fish, I'm like, hey, these things sound really, really bad. I would like to uh, have, you know, ecological balance. I'd I'd like to clean up pollution. I don't like the idea of big garbage dumps. I'm concerned about the pollution produced by big cities. And then I just don't trust them. Right. When, you know, Obama, so we we actually did this. We pulled up the, I think it was, what is it? The um, NOAA or the, uh, what's the IPCC, Mm -hmm. the climate change panel. We looked at their projections for Obama's property at Martha's Vineyard. Right. It will be underwater. Right. So Under, qu- according to their predictions. Yeah, they're they're And that, that wasn't even their worst case predictions there. Mm-hmm. It was like moderate predictions of sea level rise puts half his property underwater mm-hmm. in 10 or 20 years. Right. And I'm just kind of like, well, does he really care about this? Because if he's what, what, what he and all the rest of them are saying is true. Does he not care that he's spending $10 million on property? They'll be worthless soon. Right. That's why I can't trust it. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I was wondering why AOC got so worked up over Ilhan Omar not uh, being able to serve on, on a certain committee when the world's going to end in six years anyway. Yeah, they, they, they tend to keep saying this and then people just end up not wanting to believe it, which is right. un... un I, I, what, did you guys figure it out? I don't know. I just turned it off and on. Nope. Turned it off and on. Still just not un- working. Unplug it. Plug it back in. <laughs> no, but, uh, but we can continue. So, anyway. Are you guys friends? You know that, Ilhan and- I'll, I'll, I'll relay that. Uh, are you no, friends no, with the squad I, members? No, I pretty much have to take the stairs now because I'm not allowed in elevators with her. Wait, so, what? Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's actually, yeah, this is, this is an interesting question. Look, I want to uh, talk about the, 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 uh, the, the Twitter stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But let me, let me ask you about just the, the general feel in Congress. What we see with AOC, especially today in the Twitter hearings, is... Mm-hmm. is Outrage, right? Over January six, outrage over All Republicans. Yes. What's what, what's it like between you know the Freedom Caucus or or just you personally and Squad members? Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't have a relationship with them. Uh, you know, there there were some things that obviously, um, you know, we, we kind of sided with them um, on some of the issues when we were in the minority because they were trying to kick against their party. And we, we were all for that. Um, but uh, I, I don't have that relationship. And, you know, it's, it's really hard in, um, to to take anything these guys say seriously because everything out of their mouth starts with MAGA Republicans did this and January 6th and insurrectionists and, you know, all of this rhetoric instead of actually just talking policy and talking solutions. Let's have a conversation. They were saying that today's Twitter file hearings um, regarding the Hunter Biden laptop that was suppressed by Twitter, by these Twitter uh, executives, uh, that that was a waste of time and that we need to move on. 
How is defending free speech and holding people to account a waste of anyone's time? Would that We are the Oversight and Accountability Committee. We are there to have congressional oversight. We, uh, were, we believe that there was collusion between the federal government and with Twitter, with big tech. And so we were having congressional oversight into what actually happened. Was there collusion with the federal government and, the, and these companies? And, and then I, I expect accountability to come out of this as well. Yeah, I think it's because it benefits their party. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the strangest thing when when AOC gets elected when she defeats uh, I think it was Crowley back in 2018. Mm-hmm. He was like the fourth highest ranking Democrat at the time. She wins. I actually cheered for her. I mm-hmm. said, "Good, screw the establishment. These people have been in power. They've not done anything. If some young upstart comes in and pushes them out, let's see it." But now it seems like AOC is just saying whatever the establishment wants her to say. She's completely right. in line. She's voting on the on, on the same war stuff. Right. Yes. She's saying, "Oh, the Hunter Biden laptop stuff. stuff no issue. We shouldn't even talk about it." She Why said it was it was half true. Why does she, why is she, I, I guess, you know, my, I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I, when we walked into these office, I saw you on, on the live TV talking about illegal immigrants voting mm-hmm. in D.C. And I thought to myself, how did something like that become partisan? Right. How is it that there are issues that are so obvious? A big corporation, a multinational corporation with billionaire foreign investors at the time, Elon Musk now has taken over and you, we can make an argument about that. But at the time you had foreign investors and foreign interests involved in a, in a multinational corporation that was suppressing the speech of not just conservatives, though mm-hmm. mostly conservatives, right. but even some anti-war leftists got mm-hmm. caught up in this. Yet they are completely like, no, 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 who cares? Who cares? Everybody, nothing to see here. And I'm just confused as to how that's a left or right issue. I mean, I, I get it. it. It benefits their party, right? Right. And the narrative that they've been pushing as well. I mean, look, they are for uh, wide open borders. Uh, That's why they have done nothing to secure our southern border. That's why we're seeing nearly five million people come into our country illegally that we know of. That that doesn't even count the unknown gotaways that we have no idea who they are, what they're bringing into our country. Uh, And so this is a part of their party platform at this point. And so, of course, they want them to vote. They're inviting them in. They're allowing them to come in. And and they're promising them a free health care, free college, free free education, uh, free lawyers, free cell phones, anything else you want. And they're really treating our our country like an Oprah Winfrey show. And and now they're saying you get a vote, too. Uh, and, And this should not be a partisan issue. This should be something that we all unite and say, no, only American citizens can vote in United States elections. You know, you know what I find? Uh, I definitely want to go back to the the, the uh, immigration thing, too. But in terms of like the Twitter stuff, we've we've invited. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Often many people on this show who are more left leaning and only a very, very small number of them actually come on. But there's one thing that's consistent every time they do. They don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I mean that with all due respect. I think the, the, the most well-read individual we've had on the show is Vosh. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. He's a YouTuber. He's a socialist guy. And there's a lot he didn't know. But there's a lot he did know. And I can respect that. I just think he's wrong on, you know, on his opinions, socialism, etc. 
But we had people on who I asked them about Ukraine. I asked them about uh, issues at the border, and they literally don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. You ask them, what, remember when Donald Trump said coyotes are coming across the right. border? Or yes, and yes, I do remember that. The media made fun of him because they didn't. They thought he was talking about animals, animals carrying babies. Right. Yes, no. How do you how do you debate someone in Congress? How do you pass a bill when you say, "Hey, coyotes are bad," and they go, "Animals." Right, uh, because most of this is a facade. Uh, you have a 25-year-old staffers give you your talking points. You go down, you read them at the mic, and uh, and then you leave when you're done, and you vote the way your party tells you how how you're wrecked. Um, a, a lot of members don't talk about the legislation that they're voting on before they vote on it. They go down there and say, is this a yes or a no? How's the party voting? And, and really, it's just a numbers game. You have the majority, you get it passed. Um, and now, I, I do think that the way that we have changed the way Congress operates, um, that that did... Kind of, kind of help that a little bit, and and members have to pay attention to what they're doing, and even the party has to pay attention to what we are wanting because they've seen that any five members at any time can take down a bill, can take down a rule, and, and so they have to pay attention more and have more communication and dialogue. Are you a Ron Paul fan? Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I'm curious about that. I feel like, you know, when I was younger, and I started learning about, I started learning more about Congress and politics. Ron Paul was getting very, very popular, you know, mm-hmm. end of the 2000s. And it's because he's a very libertarian guy mm-hmm. who talks about personal responsibility and things like that. And that that said a lot to me. My, the point I made at the time was, look, you know, I may not agree with him on some of his more conservative viewpoints and religious viewpoints, but then he comes and says, yeah, but I'll leave you alone. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, well, I can, yes, I can support yes, that, Yes, just get right? government off my back. I, well, yeah, and, and obviously Rand Paul's doing a great job. And then Thomas Massey, I mean, he came to Congress and he picked up a lot of Ron Paul's bills um, when, when he came here. Um, uh, so he, he's someone who said, this guy's doing it right. I, I want to introduce the legislation he was introducing. And I, I mean, Thomas Massey, I mean, he's more libertarian leaning um, yeah. than, than most members here. And so he's a, a wonderful ally to have. He and I co-chair the Second Amendment Caucus together. Um, but, you know, he, he wants to limit the federal government, limit spending, and, uh, and and make sure Americans are still free. So let's go back. We'll go back to the Twitter stuff because I don't want to go. Yeah, the, yeah. Reason, the reason I brought up Ron Paul was because at the beginning of this big social media push, we saw that Ron Paul love revolution, rev, rev, love revolution thing. And I kind of feel like many members of Congress today that we like, Freedom Caucus types or the the, the people who stood up uh, mm-hmm. against the establishment who, you know, refused to vote for Kevin McCarthy. We had a good laugh about that. It seems like a lot of this may have been inspired by that time, by that, you know, Ron Paul revolution. So it got me thinking about that with social media today and the manipulation of big tech and the mm-hmm. censorship of ideas. When we have people on the show and they don't know what's mm-hmm. what's going on, what we're talking about. Right. Like, this is the problem. AOC goes up before uh, these executives and outright says this was a 20, what did you call it, a 24-hour mistake or something right. yes. on Twitter that doesn't matter and we're wasting public resources. She said that libs of TikTok spread lies about the Boston Children's Hospital providing hysterectomies. However, on their own website, there was a video, or I should say this, there is a video of a woman from the Boston Children's Hospital explaining what a hysterectomy is. And they, they say on, on their website that, uh, or it's been it reportedly, as people have been sharing, they uh, uh, provided hysterectomies to adolescents. Mm-hmm. Now, AOC doesn't know that, or mm-hmm. she's lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, do you think she's lying or do you think she just doesn't know? I, I think she's saying what she was told to say. I mean, it's as simple as that. So it's whether, a little bit of both. Whether, that, yeah, <laughs> it, it, whether it's an outright lie or doesn't want to believe the truth, doesn't want to hear something else, this is what she has heard, and that is what she is regurgitating. Man. 
coming into bat again. Can you hear me, chat? Nope. Nope. You're, nope. you're, you're, you're not coming through. You're, you're just. Yep. Uh, or you can pull a chair up and we can swing the mic over. We might, because we're going to have two people at a time. Uh, that's the plan. So maybe we so there's, can do it. But yeah, so there's no audio coming through when you talk. But uh, I guess we'll just keep going unless you want to pull up a chair. So uh, what? I can hear Ian talking, but I can see on the, on the monitor they are not going into YouTube. They, the, the soundboard is not delivering their microphones to the computer. So one option is to you. Uh, I, I know exactly what the problem is, but there's no way to fix it in real time. It is, it's, it's uh, an issue. It's an issue we've dealt with with new computers before where you have to change a stereo mono setting or something like this because there's two channels, but the board is, the board is only delivering one of its channels to the computer, which is why we're not getting audio from the other, other microphones. So it is what it is. I don't think we'll be able to fix it. So we'll just, you know, we'll hang out. We'll do what we can. Ian, we can, we can have you come and sit over here. We'll, we'll throw you the microphone when you can. But, uh, yeah, so, so you know, back to the, the Twitter stuff, because I don't want to keep wasting time talking about the fact that our audio is not working. It is what it is. Uh, it feels, one thing that, that we've talked about in the show is cultural decay. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the dark direction this country is headed if we can't solve this. But the way I've described it is, if you, if you have a, uh, a person who has become hypoxic, mm-hmm. right, the, the, the no, low oxygen in the brain, they can't think straight. They will not be able to write themselves to save themselves. So that's why when you're on an airplane, they say, put on your own oxygen mask before right. the person next to you. If half of our country is effectively hypoxic due to bad information, lies and fake news from the media, so they're not thinking clearly, but they're still voting. Right. How is this country supposed to write itself when one lobe has been, you know, starved of oxygen. Yes, that's why it is so important for us to have these hearings and investigations. Look, we don't have um, all, we, we don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House, but we do have the House. We have oversight um, capabilities so we can begin to expose this truth, expose the mainstream media, expose big tech and what they have been doing and how they have been lying to the American people, what they've been covering up, the lull um, that has been created by the narrative that they push, um, by, by the rhetoric um, that uh, they allow, and then by by the information that they suppress. So that's why we are doing this in oversight so we can get that truth out to the American people because so many people do just listen to what they're told on TV, on on, on Twitter, on social media, and, and move on with their day. Uh, so it's so important for people to know the truth was hidden from you on purpose. It's, it's such a challenge every day to try and convince someone they're being lied to when they don't want to believe they're being right. lied to. You know, no, so, no one wants to believe they're being lied to. Yeah, you want to think that you have control of your life, that that people are trustworthy, that uh, you can engage in these conversations and, and and watch the news and it be accurate and factual and go on with your day. But I mean, the, the truth is, if you if you watch the news, you're you're misinformed, and if you don't, you're uninformed. Yep. Think about it ideologically. When I mentioned, you know, we were talking about the uh, non-citizens and illegal immigrants mm-hmm. voting. It's not just in D.C. I mean, New York uh, has been uh, various parts of New York have been talking about it. Various parts of California. That to me shows there is a I don't know. It feels like the ship we're on has hit the has hit the iceberg. The Titanic has hit the iceberg and it's sinking. You cannot have a country if there's no borders. Mm-hmm. It, quite literally. Right. So we've actually talked about the definition of a country versus a nation. And um I think a, a country requires sovereign borders that determine its jurisdiction or something to that effect. And a nation is a reference to culture and people. Mm-hmm. I can't. Mm-hmm. But look, we've got people pouring across the border to the point where uh, 
we, we can't track them. There's drug smuggling. Mm-hmm. There was just in Arizona on the southern border, a man shot an, uh, an illegal immigrant. They charged him with first degree murder. So we have people entering this country. We have children dying in the desert and in rivers because it's an extremely dangerous trip that's being encouraged effectively by the Biden administration and by various NGOs. And then you have various parts of the country saying, let them vote. And mm-hmm. they're expanding that. To me, it's like, hey, what's going on, man? You got Byron hey, Byron. Byron Donalds. We, we're missing a couple mics here, so I'm going to switch you spots here in a second. Yeah, we'll have you jump over in a second. But uh, just to wrap, wrap this, this thought up before we yeah. jump around. Yep. That, that, that is the most immediate leak. Mm-hmm. That people are entering this country illegally, that Democrats are calling for amnesty and for the right to vote. The end result of that is clear. There won't be a country. Correct. And, and that's what they want. They want to dismantle the system. They want to create chaos. They want the system to fail because they hate the system. Uh, they hate everything that our country was founded on and they want to start over. So, I mean, this is no surprise uh, that they're wanting a- everything to be different. I- I- it's going to take eight to 10 years just to process the people who came into our country illegally last year. What about the ones who are coming into our country this year? Uh, so all of this is, is to com- to create chaos, to dismantle the system. And, you know, I could call their policies a failure, but truly they're a success because this is their intent. Yeah, I think... Um the lib- what's happening is the, the chaos that they're trying to sow is essentially the end of the liberal economic order after World War II. The British and the French and the Americans were like, 1949, we're going to build this empire to prevent World War III. So they did it. Now, 70 years later, that order is fading. And the new order, the, the world, the liberal, the, the new world order, they call it, mm-hmm. is, is forming. And so in order to form this order, they need to create chaos mm-hmm. to create the order out of. But I think there's a lot of useful idiots that are being swept up and like, yeah, toxic compassion. We need to help everybody. Right. Like, like I don't think Cortez, I don't get the vibe that she's like orchestrating the downfall of America. I just think that she really cares about people. And like that can take you to dark places if you. I'm I'm not convinced that um, many of these Democrats actually care about people. And I know it's just it's so cliche and tribalistic to say Mm -hmm. to be sitting here with a Republican and we're like, oh, Democrats are bad. But man, it's just so weird to see someone like AOC uh, let's just let's just be. Uh, I I hate being. Um, I hate giving the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when she says the Boston Children's Hospital libs of TikTok. Yoel Roth says, unfortunately, libs of TikTok is still there, and it's just like we we have so much evidence. Let's 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 back away from that. The Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah. Emails between Joe and Hunter. Uh, or I'm sorry, not not between Joe and Hunter, but emails between Hunter Biden and his, his, and his associates. Yeah. Emails to uh, Hunter Biden talking about sending up a meeting with his dad. Tony Bobulinski, 10% for the big guy. Private mm-hmm. equity deals with China, flying on Air Force Two. The Burisma deals. I mean, like, I can cite so many different stories. Right. Factually proven that Joe Biden was doing these things. And then when you talk to Democrats, they just either don't know, don't mm-hmm. care, don't believe you. Yes. So to wrap it all together, I, I'm, I'm a bit pessimistic in... Can we inform people and get the right vote when we have two things going on? One, these people, you look at what Adam Schiff did with the whole Russiagate stuff, Mm -hmm. with releasing private phone Mm -hmm. records. I mean, some real dark and evil Mm -hmm. stuff. Lies, manipulations, impeachments. When Donald Trump, I believe, stumbled upon the Ukraine gate scandal with Joe Biden and the billion dollars and firing the prosecutor, they immediately blamed him for what Joe Biden did and then impeached him. And impeached him for it, for Joe Biden's crime. Yeah, exactly. When, When you have that, and then you have universal mail-in ballots and ballot harvesting. Yeah, I gotta say, it's I hate Colorado. This, I hate right. Mm. I, I'm I'm not so optimistic 
I suppose Republicans could launch a massive ballot harvesting campaign. And if that's the case, then I'm not sure standing up and educating people matters as much as just knocking on their door and saying, fill it out. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I, you know, in Colorado, um, you know, we're, we're trying to get those ballot harvesting uh, campaigns in, in place. We, we have to play by their game. It's legal in Colorado and we're not doing it because we're not for it. But they're doing that and they're winning the elections. Colorado is turning bluer and bluer. We just lost our, our gubernatorial race by 20 points. I, I mean, this is absurd. Um, my, my district's always been very conservative and, you know, I won by 546 votes. Uh, so we, we have to start playing by their games. But, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm very much more pessimistic. And I, I don't think that they care about people. I think they care about power and winning and, and having control. And one of the things that they love the most is controlling people. That's very obvious. I can't relate to it, man. You know, I, I, I can't relate to they just want to win for the sake of winning. I don't know what they see in the future. You know, I, I think about traditional family values as, as, as somebody who's, again, from a, a very liberal area where there's no Republicans at all. Chicago has been run by Democrats for 100 years or whatever. And I think about, you know, why do we want traditional family values? Well, we want humans to succeed. We want mm -hmm. humans to thrive. We want humans to be happier. We want them to be better off. We want to find ways to make life better for everybody. But it seems like the policy positions that they put forward do the opposite. You, I, I, I talk uh, often about why it is that in big cities, typically they're run by Democrats. Typically mm -hmm. crime is through the roof. Right. And then we, we literally watch throughout the past several years crime getting worse in these cities yes. as they release more criminals. Now you've got, there was this viral video out of New York where, uh, it wasn't a viral video, it was a viral story where a meteorologist was mercilessly beaten by teenagers. And the city said, we will not criminally charge these teenagers. And I'm just like, are they trying to destroy or do they just not care and they're extracting as much as they can as the whole thing crumbles? I think it's all of it. Yeah. I, I, I do. Uh, they, they want to be in power. They, they want to run things their way and they know they have to completely blow it up to, to be able to reconstruct whatever it is that they're seeing their utopia as. Um, but their utopia isn't going to work. We have a system that works. It feels like the mass the mass printing of money is an attempt to destabilize. Yes. The, oh, my gosh. I'll put that back Why? on. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, but what's happening is they're, they're printing it in the guise of modern monetary theory, MMT, because yep. they think if they print enough, you got to reinvest it in infrastructure. Uh, <laughs> the thing that they're doing is they didn't put it. They didn't put it in infrastructure. They just put in people's bank accounts. So they're actually building like factories that will produce the product to make up for the, the lost yes. money. Yeah. Ian, Ian knocked the, the mic off. They're gutting them. I mean, uh, you know, look. Well, we, we got the money guy here. You want to talk guy? about yeah. Byron? You want to jump in? Okay, come come in here, Byron. Let's, let's talk finances with him. Look, hey, I'd like to see Tucker Carlson try this, huh? <laughs> Ian Ian busted the mic. Yeah, Can you get it? Ian Ian was trying to grab the mic. All right. All right, Congressman Donalds. What's up? How you How's doing? it going, man? Good to see you. You know, what's your view of things? How's it going? We just had those uh, hearings on uh, big tech and social media. Yes. So look, the first thing is I'm just happy I made uh, my colleagues' wall of fame over here. You know, Brett Bobert. We were over here in Texas at the at the gun range in Texas, and so I was looking at the wall of fame, and I was like, dang, I don't take enough pictures with Bobert. And I was like, oh shoot, I made the wall of fame in the corner. So I'm happy about that. That's cool. The Wall of Fame. You show the people the Wall of Fame. Show the people. All right, so listen. What I want to tell everybody real quick is about the 50 cal that I'm holding in my hand. So here's the funny story. They brought the, they brought the rifle out. And so they were like, give it to Bobert. 
And so I'm like, the, the rifle's bigger than her. Like, what is going on? But she's holding it like a boss, like a champion. She's holding the thing. And so I'm looking, and I'm like, you know what? I, I, respect, I respect her for that. And so she, like, looks at me, and she's got the smile. She goes, Byron, take the rifle. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I grab it with one arm, and she goes, Byron, take the rifle. I'm like, Bobert, I got the rifle. She's like, Byron, take the rifle. Bobert, I got the rifle. Don't worry about it. So that was a funny story from that day. It was a great event, great time. You remember that event? Yeah, it was a great event. I couldn't even tell you were holding it. You're like barely even got it. What was the event? Oh, uh, we were doing a fundraiser at um, a gun range in Dallas. I think it was, was it CPAC in Dallas at the time? Yeah. Yeah, it was CPAC in Dallas. And um, really, I crashed the fundraiser. I wasn't supposed to be there. Um, I wasn't even a special guest. I literally just crashed. It was Beth Van Dyne, uh, Ronnie Jackson, and Bobert. And I got wind of it. And I just said, you know what? I'll show up. So it was a good time. It was, it was an awesome time. I try to be supportive of my colleagues because this business is a crazy it's a crazy situation. Is this? Oh, this mic's really loud. Yeah, that's we got loud. A, we got a new mic and a new mic stand, so it'll be easier to talk. But uh, yeah, I mean that's cool. It's cool seeing people carrying guns. I think we got to repeal the NFA. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty. I, I went from being like a moderate gun control kind of guy. We're like, well, you know, maybe we could have something to a staunch like, nope, all legal, right. all of it, all the time. What do you think? Uh, I think that's right because right. here's the deal. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. So I'm gonna give you the full story. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, where you know, gun ownership is taboo. You know, in, in the inner city, the problem is is that people have guns and people die, which is legit. That's just the way of life growing up in the inner city. And so the politicians and the media feed this narrative of, oh, my gosh, guns are evil, so nobody can have them. The truth of the matter is, is that if law abiding citizens had the ability to possess firearms with minimal, restriction, minimal restrictions, no restrictions, what you would see is the criminal element would understand, you know what, I can't act crazy because I'm not sure who's carrying. The vast majority of people just want to live in harmony and peace with one another. They're not trying to cause problems. But when the criminal element understands that the politicians restrict gun ownership to the degree where normal people feel it's taboo and it's the wrong thing to do, it actually empowers the criminal element. It's, it's kind of sad because that's... I just feel like common sense, obvious. I've heard it a million times throughout my life that an unarmed society is a polite society. If people in the cities were armed, then criminals would be scared of them because you have equal force to be used against you. But it, it doesn't seem to get through to these gun control advocates. And now we have Joe Biden coming out with the, what, what, what was his slogan? Let's, uh, let's get the job done, or was it? Finish the, Finish the job. I don't really know what he was talking about. He was yelling too much for me. He was. He was slurring a bit too. But he said, he let's that. finish the job, ban assault weapons. Right. And they can't even define what it is. So this goes back to what I was just asking uh, Congresswoman Boebert. Right. How do you affect change in a positive direction with, 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 through logical lens to make things better if your political opponents don't know what they're talking about? Well, the first part is, you know, I always go back to Gladiator. I'm going to date myself a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm 44. That movie with Russell, what was yeah, it? Listen, Gladiator was that movie. That was a good movie. It was, that was that movie. And, you know, the advice. <laughs> yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. The advice to, um, you know, to Russell Crowe, Maximus, in the movie was, you win the crowd, you win your freedom. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. 
Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. And so on a, on a philosophical level, pol- politics hasn't really changed. Politics, the art of politics is really about can you get enough people in the body populace, in the, in the population to be with you? If you can get enough of them to be with you, then you can then you have the political will to move the argument, to move the bill, to move the policy. But it, if you never get the people to see your side and be on your side, you can't win your freedom. That's the way you can actually, in some respects, break Washington loose, because for a long time, you know, as a conservative, the media is against you. You know that Republicans largely have been terrible at messaging. We know that. So it ends up becoming people deciding to engage in politics and policy of their own volition, of their own passions. And the nut, I think that, you know, I guess the new the new age, myself, Bobert and others, Gates and others that we're trying to crack is, is there the possibility to get your average American to look at our arguments and be like, you know what? That Byron dude is right. I like what he's saying. I think and, the inter- and that's the pathway. I think the internet helped greatly. Big time. But I also think there's a there's an inverse reaction too, because you end up with these people. Uh, one one of the examples of social media manipulation I've brought up is that uh, imagine you're 10 years old in 2008. Right. Facebook is just coming into you know popularity and prominence, or it's getting bigger and bigger. And these companies like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post find out that you know what kind of article gets the most traffic. Police brutality. 100%. So they start making more and more and more of it. Right. Now you're a little kid and you're on Facebook and the only thing you see every single day is more and more videos of police brutality. Right. Rap songs about it. I don't know if you've, ever, you've seen that rap song, This Is What Happens When You Call The Cops. I mean, I'm a hip hop kid, so I even go back to NWA, Ice Cube, Snoop. You know, that's how far I go back. Yeah. I'm a hip hop kid. I love hip hop. So, so. You're, you're, you're a little kid and right. you're seeing this, nothing but this for 10 years. Right. 10 years later, you're 18, you're ready to vote. Your whole world is shaped around this idea that police are going around mercilessly murdering people and targeting black people. Yeah. And it's just an extreme, insane exaggeration built by social media manipulation. So as much as the Internet empowered the ability of conservatives who tended to have a bad, mess- bad messaging or were locked out from the media, you end up with people who are living in a deranged state like Trump derangement syndrome from this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you reach these people? And. I mean, how do you, it feels like the country's bifurcated to the point where, to, to put it another way, you've got the West Coast wanted to ban gas vehicles. You've got some states banning child sex change operations, some states becoming sanctuaries for child sex change operations. I don't see how you pull that stuff together. How do you, how do you bring these cultures back together? I mean, look, it's very difficult, but that's where programs like yours come in. <clears throat> you know, I mean, Bobert was like, hey, Byron, you got to come in and do this podcast tonight. I said, you know, whose podcast <laughs> are we doing? She's like, let me tell you about him. It's great. I said, all right, cool. I'm in. I'm going to do it. Cool. You have to do programming like this. I think that the way that our party has done messaging is you deal with the Washington Post, the New York Times, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC. They hate your guts. You know, you're going to get a hard interview. When Fox came along 30 years ago, Fox was like a revelation for for the conservative movement and for the Republican Party. Just being honest, it was a revelation, right? Yeah. But because young people taking information on this thing at warp speed, because I got three kids, they look at their phones, they don't even watch TV anymore. 
So I try to tell my colleagues, I'm like, guys, don't get me wrong, doing interviews is cool, but there's a whole nother uh, ecosystem you have to penetrate. How do you do it? Do you do it through reels? Do you do it with shorts? Do you do it with responses to some narrative out of media? And it's not just doing it once. It's not just saying, oh, I went on, and this is no disrespect to Sean Hannity, love the dude, good dude, but it's not just doing a Hannity primetime hit. It's are you in a rapid fire response, pushing narratives, pushing messages, what's actually happening, being able to explain the thing in 90 seconds. Like you, you don't have 20 minutes. And don't get me wrong, like, look, I'm about as eloquent as they come. People love listening to me. I don't got 20 minutes. I got 90 seconds to get this thing right. But think about even in Congress, uh, you had, what, five minutes to question Twitter? Right. How do you how do you get through a deep conversation to break down the issues that are negatively impacting this country if they're like, your five minutes begins now, good luck? Well, that's why I tried to change the rules. So what I've been talk- talking to the chairman and to the speaker was, we got to get out of this mindset of every member is recognized for five minutes. That's ridiculous. By the time you get warmed up, the time is over. And then the other thing is a lot of members waste time because they're trying to fill their time. And then the third piece is staff members write most of the questions and most of these speeches. So you'll see the member like this and they'll be reading their thing like this. And they'll never look at the person sitting in the chair. Their eyes are down because they're reading it. You don't have an opportunity to engage in a legitimate dialogue on the issues presented. So my my position has always been, look, get rid of seniority recognition, <clears throat> get rid of the five minutes, have the chairman recognize members as they choose to be recognized. What you would have is a dialogue between members, a dialogue with the witnesses. Then you can get into a situation like that. Oh, I don't have my five minutes. I got one question. I threw out a question. Ocasio-Cortez does whatever she does on the other side. I look at it like, oh, that's a bunch of BS. Chairman, let me in. (laughs) I come back, fire back. That's how you get the dialogue moving. That's what Congress doesn't do. Right. Because Congress is fixated on doing your clip for a newsreel that might show up in one of the network news shows at night. Or maybe the New York Times might report on it or the Philadelphia Inquirer or whatever, or the L.A. Times. We're in a different uh, genre in media. And so you got to have that conflict in a positive way to get the message out to people to see what's really happening. What do you think about the the squad? How, how, how is your relationship with them? So I talked to some of them on the side. You know, I just keep it professional. Um, again, I grew up in the inner city. So for me. It's never personal until you mess with like my personal safety or my family or my money. You do that. Now it's personal. Everything else is business. Is that why in Congress? Because people are getting like basically bribed by, right. you know, pharmaceutical companies, they're, they're whoever they're right. they're what they call them lobbyists yeah, yeah. that they actually feel like you're threatening their money. If you're passing a bill that denies. No, 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 no. That's that's not even it, because the truth is about lobbyists is they're going to write you a check regardless. What a lobbyist really wants is access. They want to be able to be like, look, if I pass you a $5,000 check, if I call your staff or if I if I happen to have your cell phone, will you answer my call and give me an opportunity to explain myself? Lobbyists are counting votes, which also is what leadership in both chambers is doing. They're counting votes. That's all they're doing. I tell people at home all the time, look, if you call my office, just you by yourself, I'm not even going to like I don't even know that you called. If 100 people called my office, 
my chief of staff knows and she's like, hey, Byron, uh, we had 100 calls on this issue. If a thousand people call, my whole office knows what's going on. And I definitely know what's going on. That's how this works. The lobbyists, all they're doing is trying to have an ability to have a conversation with the member. If you have members who change their opinions just because of what a lobbyist says, you got a weak member. That person probably needs to go home and not be an elected official. Real talk, right? But the issue is not just the lobbyist per se. When I talk about being able to talk with members on the other side, squad members, me and Jamal Bowman, we talk football. We don't even talk politics. We know we don't agree on politics. <clears throat> so we're talking about the NFL. We talk football. And because we talk football, we have a, an ability to engage each other if there's something popping up where a conversation needs to be had. Um, with the squad members, for everybody who says, oh, Freedom Caucus members are always causing problems in Republican leadership, squad members cause problems in Democrat leadership. They do the same thing on the other side, but, but our politics are so different. That's why people they, think we're always at odds with them. They seem to be marching more in lockstep with the rest of the party these days, though, especially well, when it comes to war. I would argue that what they've done on their side is they've gotten their party to march in lockstep with them. Wow. You know how many Democrat members are afraid of being primaried by squad members or potential squad members? A lot of them. I kind of <laughs> like that, to be honest. But I'm just keeping it yeah. real. You know why Chuck Schumer Chuck Schumer was acting, you know, was wilding out and starting to say all these positions. He didn't want to be primaried by AOC. That's why. <laughs> I hope she does it. And look, you know, Cortez, hey, I, I love it, me man. and Cortez, I talk to her every now and again, but Chuck Schumer ain't didn't want that smoke. I promise you that. He didn't want that action. I gotta I gotta I gotta say about AOC. Right. One of the biggest issues I have is she's talking about January sixth and she fabricated a story about what happened. So yeah. she says that she's in her office and someone knocks on the door and then so she hides in the bathroom and someone says, where is she? Where is she? And all this stuff. And then, when you, then you get the response from the conservatives saying she wasn't even in the Capitol building. Then you right. get the response from the media saying, yeah, but they're all connected. Then I looked at this and I was like, her story took place an hour before the Capitol was even breached. Yeah. Why would she hide in the bathroom thinking someone was coming for her unless she knew in advance people were going to break into the building? Or her story's fake. Well, I mean, look, she, you know, she lives by the drama code of politics. You know, it's like the other thing where she was at the protest in front of the Supreme Court and she tried to fake like she got arrested. Yeah, she put her hands so behind her back. She put her hands behind her back and then raised her hand. I'm like, come on, sis, you ain't getting no cuffs on you because if you did, you couldn't, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. So she lives by the drama of politics. It is what it is. But I think that what has happened in both parties is that you've had the reflection of voters who are tired of establishment politics. They're tired of being given a false narrative or a half a narrative that isn't really real, that because there's some deal cut up here on Capitol Hill that the people don't know about, they're cut out of the process. And so what we call the squad on the other side is really the, the culmination of the Occupy movement a decade ago. What you call Freedom Caucus members on our side is really the fulfillment of the Tea Party wave 10 years ago, because voters on both sides of the political spectrum have had enough of biz business as usual in Washington, D.C. That's actually a good thing. So what's happened in the Democrat caucus is the reason why it appears that the squad just kind of goes along. They've actually moved their caucus on a myriad of issues, bruh. 
they're out here talking about how it's cool to transgender kids. Joe Biden was that was not his position a decade ago. I promise you that. But the reason why he's got to be cool with that now is because that is where the base of his party has gone, in part because of members like the squad and activists in the Democrat base. I feel like what's happened. I feel like that is a representation of uh, analogous to fire. Right. A, a chaotic, destructive force that is spreading. Right. I, I think that if you actually, you know what? I don't think this. I know this. Right. If you go to your average American and you show them the book Gender Queer, for instance, have, you've, you've heard about this book. I've and, heard about it. Yeah. And it's got graphic images in it. It's a, it's, it's a pretty messed up book if you read the whole thing, too. And it's, it's sad. It's, 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 this woman was traumatized. But when I, when I tell regular people this, and, I, and, and we, we live and work about a half an hour away from where that big Loudoun County fight was happening right. with these schools. They say, that's not true. I say, here is a physical copy of the book. Open it up. They look at it and they say, this had to have been one school. And so what you end up with is uh, people like the squad, people in their activist base, which I believe represents a very small percentage of this country, mm-hmm. who are advocating for extremist policies, either open borders, abolishing private health care, child sex change operations, things like that. And when you talk to regular Americans, they don't believe it's actually happening. Right. They don't. I don't. They actually want to... They actually want to abolish private health care? Yes. Not just establish a public option? They, no, uh, they, the, the public option was a pathway to universal health care. Always was. And Bert, so one of the re- things when Scott Brown got elected in Massachusetts, the reason why Nancy Pelosi just pushed for uh, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, as was, is because she understood that if they did the push for a public option, it would have completely blown up the bill and there would be no Obamacare. So her position was, let's just get the thing we got right now because we can't send it back to the Senate because we don't have 60 votes anymore. We got 59. And if it comes back this way, it's done. And that's what happened. So they're still mad because they thought the game plan was public option because public option would have eviscerated private insurance. Because everybody would have just dumped people into the public option. That's what they wanted. Gov- that's, but it didn't happen because Scott Brown got elected. That's that's the that's, those are facts. Bernie Sanders campaigned during the uh, during the 2020 election uh, primaries not on creating a private and public multifaceted mm-hmm. system, but outright abolishing all private health care, yes. which has never. It's not even like all the countries they tout in Europe. They have both. They have both. Yeah. So I, I mean, even my advocacy, I've been like. You know, if a kid gets the flu, I think it would be great if he could go to the doctor and get Tamiflu. If you broke your arm, you could go in and get it taken care of. And you don't got to worry about going bankrupt. I think a lot of Americans worry about that stuff. And then if you get something like advanced lymphoma, which requires expensive bills, you know, a certain amount of it is covered, but there's limitations to what we can provide. So I'm not fully on board with we can cure every disease for every single person. I'm in the middle where it's like it'd be nice if people had some basic level of coverage. But what, what, what's being proposed by the progressives is one of the most extreme positions in the world. Right. Yeah, I, I understand socialized emergency care. Uh, if someone falls down and breaks their arm and, and they are poor, you've, you help that person. But socialized chronic care, which, when, which we basically have, we have that now. And that's cool because you want to save a life, save a life. But when people eat right. themselselves into sickness and then I expect the taxpayer to cover their, their injections of random far- Pfizer drugs, I'm not into it. I don't want to pay for people to eat sickness. Like sugar is horrible for your body if you overdose on that stuff. Well, so I like Snickers, man. Hold on, man. <laughs> you know, I like Snickers. Don't do that. But I, I know your point. I, I, I see your point. I get your point. I think the key thing is, is that, you know, the issue with the Democrats is it's never good enough. 
they constantly are pushing for the next wave because what they fully ultimately want is complete control of the industry. That's what they want. They'll never say that in campaigns. They'll never say that in speeches. But when you ask them, well, when is enough enough? They'll be like, like Joe Biden said the other day, let's finish the job. Well, finish what job, bro? You just spent $5 trillion we don't have. We're at the debt ceiling now. You created a labor shortage in our economy. Like when you pay people to stay home, what you do is create a labor shortage. What do I mean by that? Number one, you don't have to go work 40 hours because there's money coming in from somewhere else, but you still have the same amount of money to buy product. So people aren't working to the level necessary to create all the products at a certain cost, but everybody's got money to buy it. Well, what does that mean? Heavy demand, limited supply means the prices go up. That's what's happened in the economy. Joe Biden did that. You had the Inflation Reduction Act, which was like one of the biggest misnomers in American history. That thing doesn't do anything for inflation. It was the Green New Deal's little sister. That's what it was. That was in that bill. The inflation, the infrastructure bill was a prelude to build back better. They just couldn't get the votes because he wanted to spend too much money. If Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema were like, yeah, we're cool spending another $4 trillion, build back better would have been law. Facts. That's the deal. So where we're at right now, you got to understand a couple things. One, you cannot just spend money recklessly. The laws of economics don't change. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you speak. I don't care how cool you are. I don't care what your fit looks like. You cannot spend money unilaterally. The laws of economics don't change. It hits everybody. Don't believe me? Ask the Weimar Republic. So yeah. people, people uh, super chatted us the other day. Right. When he said, let's finish the job, right. we had a great super chat. Sorry, I forget. I can't remember the name of the individual who, who chatted us, but he said he's, re- he's referring to jamming the knife in the back of the, wi- of the gasping corpse of the economy. Yeah. He's saying, let's finish it off. And to those that know his policies have resulted in damage, chaos, inflation, et cetera, it sounds like he's saying, let's make it worse. Like, I'm not tinfoil hat guy. That's not me. Like, you know, I'm a city kid, man. I, I just, I, I deal in common sense. My grandmother, God rest her soul, was from Jamaica. She would always be like, Byron, yeah, five common sense. Boy, you must think right. That was her. I deal in common sense. But when you look at the policy outcomes of where they want to take us, that's only because the only way you can fundamentally make changes in our economy, which is the best by far, the best in the history of the world, is you have to make it so hard to earn money. You have to make it so difficult to keep wealth, <clears throat> that there has to be some fix from Washington, D.C. And the fix is only more control up here with people who, frankly, with all due respect to my colleagues, they don't have the intellect to manage your life. They don't have it. I know what one thing that they've done. We got a bunch of new people coming oh, in. Is, uh, that, is that who that is? A, a lot of the, um, when they printed all this money, they're telling American people that Trust us, modern monetary theory. But what, crazy. what the trick is, is they're not investing the money in infrastructure programs, production and things. Right. That's monetary theory is that you put, you print $10 trillion, you put it into stat- factories so that you start producing goods that are worth more than the $10 trillion. They're not producing the things. They're just putting it in bank accounts. Look, let me, be, let me keep it real simple about modern monetary. For every one of your listeners that's got a little brother or a little sister, 
let them just spend whatever they want, regardless of how much money's in the family's bank account. How's that going to work? It's an unmitigated disaster. And mom's going to be mad. Somebody's getting a spanking. I still believe in spanking. I got kids. I spank my kids. It's whatever. You know, social media can get mad at me, but it is what it is. Somebody's in trouble. You cannot just spend money without any controls on what comes in. Nobody can do that. If you borrow money incessantly, you create the situation where republics have fallen. That's what's happened to too many republics in the history of the world. So when you have conservatives like myself who say, look, control spending, make sure you're doing it the right way. When you do that, you create the environment for economies to thrive, for people to grow, etc. Real quick, because I'm going to do it a quick segue. Because he usually segues for me. I get the opportunity to segue from him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, man sitting down in the room right now. He is the forerunner of what it means to bring the diesel, to question people. This is the guy you see with no jacket on but a tie and a dress shirt. He is the guy that myself, Bobert, and so many of us have watched on TV and in committee hearings, grilling the Democrats day after day after day. This is one of the forerunners of the conservative movement in our country, my good friend, the honorable from Ohio, Jim Jordan. <laughs> Byron, thank you. Tim, good to be with you. Yeah, how's it going, man? You I'm, got the I'm doing fine. <laughs> Byron's doing the interview here now. He's yeah, Byron. Oh, that's oh, the, listen. I've been down. To, I've been down to Naples and talked to all his Republican buddies. I was gonna start though with what? What is it called? Chicken City. You're, yeah. You're, so my wife, she she literally built. We have eight acres out in the country around her family's farm. She built her. Uh, I call it the Taj Mahal. She built her own chicken coop from scratch. She did it all. And now we have the security camera stuff up, but she can watch her chickens via security camera. So we got we got great eggs and all. But I understand you guys are this is this is your thing too. So it's amazing. Yeah, we have uh, Chicken City. We've got I think thirty or so chickens. We've got a camera. You can watch them all day. There used to be a couple, but now it's just one watching them all do their chicken stuff. Yeah, you know, chickens are hilarious. They are funny. Yeah. So had to save, she's had to save. Uh, Come out yelling to get the fox away because we, you know, we, she had started with what nine and she's down to five, but we still get plenty of eggs. I don't know if you do that. They, they probably don't do that in Naples. Jim, like they I do love up in, you, man. But up I in Hillbilly Lands, man. Where we're from. I go to the supermarket and get the eggs. Though, yeah. so I appreciate all ours you are do cheaper. Provide, ours are cheaper right but, now. You know, I'm going to come by. I'm going to come by. And get, they're cheaper. Yeah. Because, you know, I got sons and they eat like eggs all the time because they're all lifting weights and whatnot. And I'm out on Training. that. Training. Good. They're training all the time. Real quick, I want to ask you this one question, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to turn it over because I'm not an interviewer. I, I answer too many questions these days. My question for you, and I've never asked you this question. Okay. What, what was the thing? What was the aha moment that made you realize that conservatism was the path forward to, for the country? Um, I mean, I was raised in a conservative family, although my dad was a Democrat. He was a um, union worker for General Motors, and, and like a lot of Americans in 1980, decided enough of this Democrat stuff. He's going he's gonna to vote for the Reagan guy. Um, but raised in a conservative kind of Christian home, and, but for me, it's probably athletics. You know, um, the, the idea in America is you, know, you, you set a goal, you work hard, and you, you, you try to accomplish things, and that seemed to fit with conservatism. And my background is a sport of wrestling. I wanted to play football, but... I'm five, seven and a half on a good day, so I had to wrestle. Um, but yeah, it's probably wrestling because it, it's all about competition. I think it's one of the problems in the country today is people, you don't have people competing. And frankly, I don't think you have enough people just involved in, in being tough. No one gets in a fighting school anymore. You don't have enough kids playing football or wrestling. I think that's a problem. So 
probably probably came from my my background in the sport of wrestling because I started when I was in third grade and did it for the for the longest time. Did you want to be a professional wrestler, Jim? No, there's no real professional wrestling in amateur wrestling. You, you know, I wanted to be a state. You never champ wanted to be WWE champion. No, that's for that's for I'm that's sorry. for big guys like you, Byron. That's for that's for guys like you. So, all right, time out. Real side point, and I'm a, I'm gonna give up the headset and the microphone. So I went to a WWE event oh, golly. in my district, right? Because yeah. I like I actually like pro wrestling. Yeah. It's a thing for me. Yeah. I like the showmanship and all that. It's fun. It's interesting. So I go in the locker room, right? They gave me like the treatment. They're like, oh, we're going to bring superstars in to meet with you. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. You know the thing I realized? I'm bigger than most of the dudes on the really? roster. I got pictures with Big E, who was a WWE yeah. champion at the time before he broke his neck because somebody did a suplex and they messed him up. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, shout to Big E. Hopefully he comes back. But I took a picture with the Money in the Bank briefcase. I got yeah. a picture with it. And I'm like three yeah, inches taller and I'm like thicker than him. And I'm like, oh, I could do this. The, the only, you know, WWE people I know are the ones who are in real wrestling. Uh, Gable Stevenson was three-time NCAA champ and right. and uh, Olympic champ, and now he's went in WWE and doing fine. And uh, he's a guy who's 275. He went, he wins the Olympics, um, and 275, six foot whatever, runs, does a round off into a fullback layout. And I'm like, 265 can do, wow. I mean, he's an athlete. So they are athletes, but it's, you know, it's, it's entertainment. Okay, that's the end of my WWE dreams <laughs> because I'm 275, and trust me, I ain't doing he, that no more, so we're done. All right, well, Sorry, uh, Vince can't sign me. Let's talk with uh, with Congress uh, Congressman Jordan about Twitter. Do you want to hop over here and grab uh, the mic from Byron? And then I just want to add to that, man. You mentioned wrestling and competition. I grew up skateboarding, and skateboarding it's a it's a very individualist individualistic yeah. sport where you can't cheat. If you if you want to succeed at the trick, you have to commit to it. And if you don't do it, that's it. You didn't do it. It's yeah. for you, not anybody else. Well said. So there's, there's a lot of risk-taking. There's a lot of overcoming fears and real-life lessons that come with it. When you're first standing on top of a, a, a mini ramp or a half pipe looking down, about to drop in, it's terrifying. I can imagine. But you can't fake it. Yeah. You can't pretend. No. So let's let's talk about Twitter because, I mean, this is this is the uh, the Twitter files. It's that's a big deal. That's funny you say that because... You want to grab the mic and keep Cause, cause a little wrestle, close? Wrestling is the same way. When you step out there on the mat, it's just, you know, you, God, and your opponent. And, you know, you win, you win, you lose, you lose. And there's no one to blame, no one to... It, it just, that's the way it is. And it, uh... Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sort of teaches you to deal with things just like yeah. you had when you're standing on top and going down into the, in the, with the skateboard. What do you call it? The half pipe or the, the half pipe, or, quarter yeah. pipe, yeah. various sizes. You know, you're, you're competing against yourself. Yep. If, if you want to get that good feeling of accomplishment, you, can, you can't lie to yourself. You know you didn't do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, I think that, you know, that, that instilled in me a lot of uh, ideas of personal responsibility, individualism, et cetera. And I, I think, you know, getting, getting into skateboarding as a sport when I was younger and then having the ability to overcome and accomplish yourself, you know, your goals and yourself with no one in the way, I think probably led me to be more independent and individualist. But I, I do think physical activity and competition is, is important. So you were mentioning. I'm a, I'm a lot older than you, but when I grew up, 
you 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 played you competed every day and i went to a little local country public school every you competed in the classroom you learned in your multiplication tables you did this thing you called around the world you had to try to say that faster than the person you stood beside and it was a competition you kept moving it's like a Is it the math and, thing yeah yeah we used look, to do that too yeah it's like yeah. that's good i don't don't they even allow people allow kids to do that in, in school today on the playground we played kickball we played football we played the game they can't even say the name you throw the ball up someone catches you run around everyone tackles him and you got the fight Every every couple of weeks you get in a fight with somebody. It was all good. That's life on the playground. And you didn't. It wasn't a grudge. You just got in a fight because you know out safe, out safe in kickball. Oh, no, no, we're going to get in a fight and everything's fine. But I, I think we're losing some of that, and I I don't know that that's good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about censorship, manipulation. I was uh, uh, talking with Congresswoman Boebert, and uh, I got to say I'm a bit pessimistic because on this show, for instance, we've had on only a few guests who are more liberal leaning. And we invite many on, but many just don't want to do it. The only ones who do either are up and coming and looking for an opportunity, which, you know, we're, we're trying to, uh, we, we do want to have some of these individuals. I, I don't want to limit someone's ability to speak mm-hmm. because they're not famous or anything like that. But we're trying to engage in debates with people who are influencing the debate itself, but they don't want to. And often what we find is people like squad members either are intentionally lying or don't know what they're talking about. An example I'll give is when AOC today said uh, during the Twitter uh, hearings that Boston's Children's Hospital was lied about by libs of TikTok, claimed that they were giving hysterectomies to children, but they actually list on their website reportedly that they that they offered hysterectomies to adolescents, if we want to be specific. And there was even a video where they described gender-affirming hysterectomies mm-hmm. at a children's hospital. So either she knows what she's saying is not true, or she genuinely believes incorrect things. Yeah. If big tech is censoring conversations, and even us right now on this show are subject to those restrictions, how can we advance the country to positive direction, come to real solutions, make people's lives better if we can't even discuss the problems? No, that, that, that's the problem. And I think you've hit on the sort of the key thing here. The left today doesn't embrace the First Amendment. And that is literally something that has changed in my judgment in the last 10 to 15 years. It used to be the left would, you know, get your best hold, make your best argument, full embrace of the First Amendment, your right to speak, and let's, let's, let's have the debate and see, see who wins. And then we move on to the next issue. That's the way it used to be, but not today. Today, the left says, if you don't agree with me, you're not allowed to talk. And if you try, we're going to call you racist. We're going to call you fascist. We're going to call you names. We're going to try to cancel you. And I've said this on the House floor when we were talking about the whole cancel culture, uh, culture phenomena. I said, don't think that they won't come for you. It's not just they're coming after conservatives or Republicans or libertarians. They're going to come for everybody. And that very week, if I remember right, that very week is the week they said the Dianne Feinstein Elementary School in San Francisco will no longer be named after Senator Feinstein. She wasn't good enough. Liberal icon, not good enough because of something she said 30, 40 years ago. That is the problem. And, and look, I got liberal friends. Dennis Kucinich is a friend of mine. And, you know, he's way over here and he thinks Jordan's way over here. But we're friends and he believes in the First Amendment. That's the problem today is if you don't you don't go along with the left they try to cancel you and their appetite i think knows no bounds knows no end and they will come for everyone that's why we got to push back and we got to push back on big tech so that we have that public square that forum that forum that is now the public square are you winning i think we're making some progress finally and of course the biggest win was elon musk buying twitter and showing us what was going on as, as my my good friend thomas massey said he bought a crime scene costing billions of dollars but he bought a crime scene um and uh laying out what happened there that first they had their written policies 
that they enforced selectively. And then the closer they got to the election, the more they enforced them selectively. And then when their policies weren't good enough, they just had an ad hoc way of like, we're going to do whatever we want to do and censor whoever we want to censor. Do you think the Twitter executives lied today in these hearings? I think they didn't tell us everything because, you know, one of the things I just one question I'm just talking with Lauren uh, when she asked about the hearing today, too. And I said, uh, the one question that sort of stuck on me, I asked because I looked at, you know, Baker's testimony, Jim Baker, who was deputy chief counsel. And before that, he was chief counsel at the FBI. And um, on the top of the second page of his thing, he says that he he didn't improperly suppress any information that would be good for the public dialogue. Well, if you didn't improperly suppress, then you believe you properly suppressed something. What was it and when did it happen? And he wouldn't he wouldn't answer it. And he, he, he had behind a privilege. Um, but I, I want to know if that's right around the time that the Twitter files when Musk bought Twitter and they're doing the Twitter files and they find out those are being filtered through Jim Baker. Was he suppressing information then? I don't know. So that was one of the takeaways I had. I wonder if there is potentially an FTC violation with Twitter in that before Elon Musk took, took over and even now it, there was this uh, before Elon Musk, when you're on your Twitter feed, there's little stars in the top right corner. You click it. It says switch between your home feed, which is algorithmic and the latest tweets, which means that a user like me or any other person who signs up, if we select latest tweets, we mm-hmm. expect to see the posts from individuals we follow in reverse chronological order. Right. But Twitter was manipulating that feed while advertising falsely what they were delivering to people. Yes, and we asked about that today. So we asked, um, g- great point. We asked, okay, so when someone gets their, their account suspended or gets suspended from it, or their tweet's being you know, taken down, they, there's a notice of that. But if they're doing what they call uh, uh, other visibility filtering, like blacklisting someone, stopping them from trending, they don't know that. And it's happening. And I ask him, like, is, is, are you doing that on specific accounts? Is it driven by certain key words that, 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 that enforce that? How was that done? And they didn't really seem that, at least I didn't figure out how they, how they were answering that. But uh, the fact that they were doing that and people didn't know. Then I said, did that happen to any government officials or elected officials? And he said he didn't know, but he thought it did. So this is, this is Joel Roth, uh, who we asked this question to. So again... That's something, and the, the, the examples in the Twitter files are Bongino and, uh, and Charlie Kirk, that, that that happened to them and they didn't know. Probably happened to you and you oh, wouldn't yeah. know about it. There, there, there are these apps you can use where you enter your name and it'll tell you the various filters that exist. But even Dave Rubin just mentioned, Elon Musk just showed him new ones. They discovered new filters. But, but I guess, you know, what I'm thinking is we, we often focus on the censorship aspect, which I think culturally and morally, those of us who care about real debate and, and logic and policy are shocked by. Yeah. But I'm also curious, how can Twitter as a massive corp- a company with 300 million plus users lie about the product they're delivering? How can a corporation in America say, I'm going to imagine this. Imagine if a company said, you come to me, here's a contract, you get a gallon of whole milk. Then they give you a gallon of 2%. Yeah. That sounds like they're, they're, they're falsely advertising what they're delivering. If Twitter says the reverse chronological feed delivers you reverse chronological posts, but then they're using shadow ban algorithms, and we know mm-hmm. they are. They're lying to their customers as to the product being delivered. How is that legal? How is that allowed? Yeah, so one of the questions I asked, too, that you made me think of this, too. I asked this question, um, and I, I didn't fully understand it, but, but I asked if they were hard coding into any specific accounts to censor them. So they're, like, targeting that specific user. Uh, and it was interesting how Yoel Roth kind of – and I want to go back and look at the transcript to see exactly how he said it because he really didn't answer that square um, – that either. I agree. One of the things we want to do with, with legislation that we're, we're planning on work, uh, doing with Energy and Commerce Committee is anything they do to your account, they have to tell you. 
there has to be real transparency. There has to be a time frame. There has to be a due process so that you can correct it, figure out what it is, to have the debate and correct it within a specified amount of time. And then if they don't, then you should have some kind of cause of action because they're violating a contract that they have with you, their user, their customer. And the, the, the scary thing about what we've really learned, I think, from the Twitter files too, is all the things they're doing, Twitter, but why in the world is the FBI coming in and telling Twitter, hey, these accounts have problems. They violate your terms of, twi uh, of service Twitter. Like, well, what's the government telling Twitter these accounts violate Twitter's terms of service? Well, you you got to be kidding me. Because, and it wasn't because they were concerned about, you know, you being shadow banned or anything else. It was because they wanted those accounts taken down. That, to me, is the scariest part of all, which is, is come out in the Twitter files. Do you think that those revelations that uh, Twitter and Facebook had portals for government agencies to flag content, do you think that was partisan? That that the, the, yeah. the it was I, to, I, to help I, Democrats? I do because, you, you know, the way I did it my my first round of question today is I just I asked, you know, was the Hunter Biden's uh, laptop story, did, did the government tell you it was fake? No. Did the government tell you it was hacked? No. Um, and, and then I said, and did it violate your terms of service? And he said, no, it didn't. But you took it down anyway. Why'd you take it down? <clears throat> I think they took it down because for months they'd been meeting with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they'd been meeting <coughs> with Twitter they had uh, asked uh, Twitter if they wanted security clearances in 30 days prior to the election. They'd sent them all kinds of, of, of emails, heading on the email said Twitter folks as if they were best buddies. And then they had the secret, what I call the super secret James Bond teleporter app that they could send uh, messages to that would, that would you know, go away and disappear within a matter of weeks. So they do all this and they're telling them be on the lookout for hack and leak operations. I think they, they played Twitter and they understood, oh, this is... And, and they were a receptive audience, you know, like what I must say, 99% of them vote Democrat and give yep. the Democrats. So that was the environment. They didn't need the specific email that said, take down the Hunter Biden laptop story. Um, they were all primed to do it based on what the FBI had done for months and months, meeting after meeting, uh, text message, or excuse me, email after email. They were primed to do it, and that's what they did. Someone uh, chatted just now. I think it's an important point. They said that we're not the uh, we're not the customers of big tech. We're the product. It's a misunderstanding. And I understand that point. The the, the real customer, in a, in a true sense of trans a transactional customer, is the advertisers who are buying access to data and access to an audience. But I think, in a legal sense, we, the users of Twitter, are still customers. Yeah. We, there may not be a financial transaction, but there's a contract between us as to what we get. And in exchange for the... the and there are policies in terms right. of service. And I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a contract. It's a contractual agreement. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the challenges I suppose we're seeing now is, you know, look, you guys may have gotten just a, a modicum of, of <coughs> power by, by taking back a few extra seats in the, in the House, giving you this majority. But is it enough to create a longstanding impact, to pass laws, to actually get something done? Are these hearings going to be enough to actually change things? Well, I mean, look, we hope so. And all we can do is, is, is what we can do. And, you know, we got our first hearing tomorrow in this select committee. Uh, we hope this is a committee, or, or excuse me, a hearing that begins to frame it up. Um, we're having Tulsi Gabbard as one of our witnesses. I think she'll be great. Um, she's a true believer in the First Amendment. Um, we have a couple great senators, Senator Grassley, Senator Johnson, who've been investigated in some of the things they told us that the Democrats and these uh, folks did to them and FDI did to them. So we think it'll be a good hearing. And then, of course, we have on the second panel, we have um, Professor Turley, whose who's op-ed out this week, I think, is really good because he used the term censorship by surrogate. And that's what we have now. You got the pressure from the government without explicitly telling them to do certain things. At least we haven't found that yet, but that may, we may find that. But the pressure from the government and then the censorship from the tech platforms um, is real. And when you view it in this, in my mind, you view it in this bigger 
framework of what we've seen the last couple years, I always tell folks, every single right we enjoy under the First Amendment has been assaulted in the last couple of years. Everyone. Your right to practice your faith, your right to petition the government, your right to assemble, freedom of press, freedom of speech, speech being the most important. All of them have been attacked by the government, many of them in, in relation to the COVID and the COVID policies, but a host of other things, too. And it's it's really frightening. You know, what was the craziest thing about all that, too, is even the Third Amendment got violated. Did you see that one? All of them. The, the oh. Third Amendment, the one that no one knows because no one talks about is that the government can't put soldiers in your house. Right. Because this is back in the revolutionary period. And then when they did According the troops, yeah, the eviction moratorium effectively created a circumstance in which uh, active duty soldiers who are renting property could not be evicted in violation of the Third Amendment. They violated so much of the Constitution, they yeah, woke yeah. up the third. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing and yeah. kind of scary at the same time. I still remember, uh, you know, they, they, the government told you you couldn't go to church. Crazy. I mean, the government said you couldn't come to your own capital that you pay for. I mean, we're here in Capitol Hill now, but you couldn't come to it for like a year and a half. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't let you in your capital that you pay for to petition your member of Congress to redress your grievances. And the one I always remember is, is Jin Psaki standing at the White House in the press room. Now think about it. The White House is considered the, the, the center of freedom on the planet. Here's the press secretary to the United States, uh, to the president of the United States in the press room. And she stands there at the podium and she says, most Americans now get their information from social media platforms. We, the Biden administration, are working with social media platforms to limit the information Americans can see. And it was a lie. And I'm like, did I just see that? This is the press, <laughs> press secretary yeah. in the press uh, White House press briefing room saying she wants to limit the press. I mean, like this is this is scary. Where, where they cheer for it to go? And they they cheer it on. This is what I was uh, I was saying to Congresswoman Boebert a moment uh, a moment about about an hour ago. The the way I view this is with the manipulation of social media, the restriction of information to the American people, the Hunter Biden laptop story right before an election being a really prime example of this. They've created what I would describe as a hypoxic portion of the United States. That is, when, when your brain is deprived of oxygen, you don't know. You don't know. I, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos, but they're actually quite revealing. They'll put a person in, in, in a, a, a sealed chamber with a certain level of oxygen, and they'll slowly lower it while asking them to answer basic math questions. Mm -hmm. To the person, they're saying, one plus one is two, two plus two is four. Shmerble Baba it is 17. Back of blah, blah, blah. But in their mind, they're saying everything correctly. Really? Then they play back the video for them, and the people are like, what? I was speaking gibberish? Yeah, your brain had no oxygen, so you were slowly shutting down. When they deprive half this country of information, and these people get their news and information from CNN or MSNBC, who is, right. have both just espoused so yeah. much garbage, we, ha we, we have a situation where... I would describe it as half one, the, the, the left hemisphere of our American consciousness is deprived of oxygen, unaware that it's for the past seven or eight years been manipulated and, and just deprived of facts, yep. but it's still voting. So how do we vote to correct a problem when we are, we, we are facing people who don't know they're facing a problem and they're voting continually to increase yeah. that problem, if you, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, I get it. I, we, we do the best we can. You, you, you pray for this great country. You, you keep with a smile Ramp on your face like you guys do. You, you keep giving the facts and the truth. Ramp up the ballot harvesting? Yeah, and, and, you, and, you, <laughs> and, you, and you play under the rules. Like, look, the rules of the game are such that, that you play under those rules and you do it the best you can uh, and you play to win. I have a solution. Uh, we could free the software code of large social networks right now instead of trying to break up the companies force them once they get to a certain number of users we treat it as a commons and the software code is proliferated I think, I think that's where i think musk is thinking about doing that i think that's where he may be headed we could use government force and say you know it's like it's breaking up in a monopoly but i i 
I think that would work. And then you federate the networks and like my version of Twitter and your version of Twitter can see each other. But if I want to ban you on my network, I can. I still have my, my right as a, as a business owner to ban whoever I want. But that, that would require a very large yeah. cultural shift and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's difficult. And but I have to run, Mr. Poole. Thank you. Hey, man, thanks for coming. This is absolutely no, fantastic. I really do appreciate it. We gotta, you got to come to Ohio and see the, the, see the Jordan chickens at some point. Oh, yeah, right. sounds good, thank man. You. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have uh, Congresswoman Bobert come in. We'll do some super chats. And, uh, man, this is despite the fact that the microphones aren't working. I think it's turning out pretty well, huh? <laughs> Welcome back, Congresswoman. So we have a, a plethora of super chats that I'll try to uh, get as many as I can. Questions from the audience. And then we have uh, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna. Yes, Anna's here. Joining. Yes. She's here? Yes, shees here. But we're, right. we're going to do this for a few minutes, and then we'll bring her in. So I want to find some good uh, questions. Let's see. Uh, here. I want to make sure I'm finding some good Super Chat questions that are directed specifically for Congressman Boebert. Uh, Kevin Brady says, can you ask Lauren if she still supports praying medic like what, she, like what she's been doing, but we need a bit of clarity there. I'm not familiar. If it, praying medic? Yeah. Are you familiar with what that no. is? No. Okay. Well, then. All right, then. You know, what we probably should do next time is probably we should pull selects in advance so we can uh, make sure we're like getting Joe Biden does. You know, he yeah, just, just questions in advance. Well, I mean, we have the qu chats coming in, but yeah. it's been an hour yeah, and yeah. a half. Yeah. So it's like I'm going to try and scroll through them and find some good ones for uh, for do you, you. Think that there's um, a, a, an oxygen deficiency in the White House. That's what's going on with Joe. For I think, uh, have you, look. No, you, I know that want, that ample, that answer is way too simple. No, you it's want me to be decline. Is, yes. You want me to be honest? I don't know how you guys feel about answering this, but I've seen pictures of his hand, which look uh, they look like he has IV marks, like they've been giving him intravenous solutions or drugs. Um, and I, I have to imagine they do. I also am of the opinion that they give him uppers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that, well, that's he was not politically correct for you guys. Pretty fast last night at the State of the Union. Um, I mean, so fast he's stumbling over everything and. Um, couldn't get it together. I mean, I, I talk fast like that when I have a big hearing because I just down to five hour energy. So I, I don't know if they're putting those through his veins or what. Uh, but my comms team could have fun with that comment tomorrow. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right on. It's it's <laughs> it's actually quite difficult to go through all the super chats in real time to find a good question. I'm, I I might add. So I'm doing my best. It's mostly people just saying they're big fans. To be completely honest. But uh, let's let's do this. We have uh, Turtle Drum saying, could you get each guest's thoughts on auditing and or ending the Federal Reserve and also the Ian Carbon stuff? All right. Well, uh, a couple questions in that regard. The uh, the Federal Reserve. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts? We I think, you know, Ron Paul wants to end it or at least audit it. Many people have been trying to audit the Federal Reserve. Right. No, we absolutely have to start with an audit. Uh, and and see where that goes. But I, I mean, nothing that we're doing financially is is working right now. I mean, we're running on monopoly money. Um, so yeah, an, an audit is a fantastic place to start. And what about uh, abolishing the ATF? <laughs> um, do you see my hat? Do you see this hat here? Uh -huh. um, I like yeah, it. Yeah, no. Uh, so I mean, the ATF, um, 
I think they need to come before Congress and prove why they should be an agency, why the, the things that they do that maybe matter, maybe there's something that they do that matters. I, I haven't found it yet, um, but maybe that's sent over to the FBI after you know we clean them out. But here's the problem with the ATF. Um, they, have, uh, they have gone beyond their role of a regulatory agency, and, uh, and now they're making law. They don't make law. Congress makes law with, with these um, with the, with the pistol braces and um, and everything they're trying to do there to make at least 10 million Americans felons in in a very, very short period. Now, the ATF, they were the ones who ran fast and furious. They were giving traced firearms to known cartel members and uh, and they lost what 1700 of them. And these were these were marked firearms. These were tracked firearms, and they lost them. And now they think they're going to go after millions of Americans for a firearm accessory and be successful with that. Now I think there's going to be a lot of boating accidents um, in America if, if if that's actually how this goes down. But I, I'm hoping that um, the courts strike this down entirely. But it, it's an abuse of the separation of powers. Do you know if anyone any groups have filed lawsuits over the ATF pistol brace? Yes. yes. Well, and then I, I think it was the Ninth Circuit. Um, there was actually a, a pretty big win there but um i mean it's, it's got to go beyond um it, it has to go beyond that um to make sure we, we can shut this down completely but uh congressman matt gates he has a, a bill to abolish the atf and uh you know if, if they can't come before congress and answer and have um and, and us have oversight over that agency um and, and them answer to why they should exist then heck yeah abolish them i don't i don't believe the atf has the right to well, the executive branch has no legislative authority. No, they, they no, cannot they don't. declare this illegal. But they are trying to have uh, legislate. They are making law right now. The ATF is. Um, I mean, a- alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. That should be the name of a convenience store. <laughs> I love you that. You know, it, it sounds like a good time in my in my neck of the woods. I, I heard about the pistol brace rule. Mm-hmm. I well, fu- wait. When 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 the pistol brace came up in Congress, is actually in the Judiciary Committee. Representative Cicilline had a big old poster board um, showing what a pistol brace was, and he was trying to demonstrate that it turns any handgun into a fully automatic. If, uh, what? No, it doesn't do this. Yeah. And and these are these are actual lawmakers trying to make laws about them, and they're completely ignorant about them. That's what I was talking about, like the hypoxia. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're de- deprived of information, but still desperately trying to do something for some reason. It just doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Uh, this this one really really pissed me off when I heard this, and a lot of people were pissed off that they just came out and said we hereby decree something illegal. Like right. we all followed the law as you describe yes. as it's been described as it's been for for decades. And then abruptly, a, a federal agency just decided it is a criminal offense now. Right. That is not how no. laws are supposed to be passed in this country. Absolutely not. And uh, e- even if a, a law like that were passed, I, I mean, I would hope that we would do everything that we could to get it repealed, um, to, to get it out of here. Uh, Congressman Matt Gates just walked in. We're talking about your bill. Abolish the ATF. Right on. <laughs> Let me. Look, here, here's one. We got this one from Brandy. He says, ask Byron and Lauren where they get their jackets. Oh, this one. Um, ooh. I'm going to sound so squish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not Patagonia, but it is Lululemon. Oh, is that what someone was really interested in? A lot of a lot of the Super Chargers are saying that they're big fans of, of everybody who's come in. Byron's the man. Jim Jordan's the man. Yeah. Uh, they they, they, they love the work you friends. do. Yeah, yeah. We uh, This was cool. Very last minute, your, your crew reached out and said, why don't you come and do it here so we can get everyone on at the same time? And I yes. was like, that sounds like the craziest thing we'll have ever have done. I got a super chat for you. Here we I don't go. know if I got a camera on it. Oh, here we got a different different angle. Uh, this is great. This is from Bois, Bois Haskell, B.W. Haskell. 
Amazing show. We need to TimCast IRL with reps from both, in parentheses, all sides of the aisle, and let them have a long, respectful table conversation about the issues. The representatives on tonight displayed great authenticity. Thanks from between LA and San Diego. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Cool. That was a good one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I said that I wanted to read it because I think that having cross aisle conversation right. is the future of politics. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's something that uh, Congressman Matt Gates is is always um, a, a big advocate for. Um, I mean, take the speakers debate. I mean, there was dialogue on both sides of the aisle for four days in the House chambers, uh, you know, open debate. And it was amazing engaging with our colleagues. Uh, and that's something that I haven't seen in Congress since I've been here until then. The we, we have this real quick. Limit. It gave me hope. I want to read the thing. It gave me hope that, that, that those four days was like it inspired hope in me that I haven't felt in relation to our government in so long. It was. Yeah, we got fundamental changes. It was totally worth the wait. Let me read this one for you. Uh, EW says, Lauren, I'm an FFL and in an audit. I had ATF agents photograph every page of my acquisitions and disbursement logs. We are required to keep of our transfers. This violates regulations. This is enough reason to abolish the ATF. This happens all the time. I'm with you. I'm with you. Bring them in. Um, we're on the oversight committee. Um, bring them in and, and make them answer this stuff. And uh, I, I don't see any reason for ATF. I yeah, I, I um, went... But- but we do have uh, Congresswoman Anna Paulina Luna here, and uh, I would love for her to get some uh, FaceTime here on your show. Um, she, she's an amazing woman uh, from Florida, went down and helped her during her campaign. Um, I, wanted, I wanted fighters here with me in Congress, and, uh, and we got her here. She's You're going to interview her now like, like Byron did no, for Jim no, Jordan? No, no, just, I was just talking <laughs> her up some. Uh, you know, this is, this is one of my freedom fighters from the Freedom Caucus, and she and I serve on the Natural Resources Committee together and in the Oversight and Accountability Committee. Yeah, we're, um, I, I mean, it's an honor and privilege. As you can see, we've been doing a lot of work these last couple of days. And today, especially Lauren nuked uh, the former Twitter executives on, especially the fact that they found out that obviously you were being suppressed. It was really interesting to see them kind of squirm. But again, I mean, we know that this has been taking place for a long time, but I think that the media was really gaslighting conservatives. And I think that they're, they were censoring anyone who really went against their group think mentality. Yeah, no. So it was so much fun. Um, the information that you brought out right after I spoke was uh, earth shattering. I mean, this was amazing the way you were drilling um, these these Twitter executives. Um, but I had just found out last night from Twitter staff uh, that I was shadow banned. I mean, obviously, we're seeing it. You know, you see your numbers grow. They, they drop back down. You see the suppression, but there's no real evidence. And we found the date, the time, the tweet. And, uh, and it was happening. It was real. And it was Mr. Roth that would have had to um, have reviewed that and approved it. And he said that he didn't know anything about it in committee. I think, you know, all of us who have larger accounts or, or high profile or doing media or whatever, don't want to sound paranoid when it's like, hey, I, I tweeted something and no one's retweeting it. You don't want to sound or cringe. Vain. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, know that, I know that was fire. Where, where's everybody at? But uh, then, you know, you, you, you come out and you're like, look, I think I'm being shadow banned here. And then people start saying, no, you just suck. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out you're actually being shadow banned. Actually being and you're actually banned. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that, that's what yeah. seems to be going but, on. But here's my frustration, and I want Anna to talk to I'm going to give her my seat. Um, my frustration was not my account personally. It's the millions of Americans who, who can't reach out to Elon Musk and his team and say, hey, what actually happened here? Who can't sit in a committee hearing and hold these people accountable? I'm able to do that. That's great. But there's millions of Americans who were completely silenced by the four people that we had in the committee room. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, AOC, she put her little tweet that I was there praising God for Elon. And yeah, 
Thank God for Elon Musk. Thank God for him firing those four people and and purchasing this crime scene, as Thomas Massey said and Jim Jordan uh, reiterated, uh, so he could expose everything that's been going on. But Anna, I want you, I want to give you the hot seat here, so I'm going to switch with you. All right. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of what Lauren was saying, so I actually had to pull up this graphic to make sure that I'm giving you guys correct information, but what we found out is that uh, Twitter, the executives and CISA, which was up under DHS, so really it was their um, cybersecurity infrastructure and security agency, was communicating on a private cloud server to actually have people deplatformed, their postings removed. And the interesting thing was is that when we were in questioning, Yul Roth and then the rest of the executives pretended like they didn't know about it, and we actually had screenshots from the conversations. Mind you, this was done without any oversight at all. So they were operating in darkness. They were basically suppressing this information from the American people. And what this is known as is a joint state actor. Social media companies, to include Twitter, were in this platform. But to be clear, Facebook was also in it. And so what we uncovered was a pretty big deal today. I know that it actually ties into um, what Laura Loomer has as an actual lawsuit that she's currently pursuing. But this is a pretty big deal. And the fact that the government agencies were communicating with Twitter to interfere in free speech is a massive deal not just for republicans but for everyone what about youtube um as of right now i haven't been able to fully see what's on the private server but we do know for a fact that facebook to include anything owned by them so i assume also instagram and then also twitter was in this private cloud server and mind you they were working with left-leaning organizations that were also to part of the um election integrity partnership and you can actually find this graphic on my at rep apl luna website do you think they lied today in this 100%. Hearing? Yeah, they oh, lied wow. to my face. Wow. They lied to my face. They could not recollect doing any of this, so I refreshed their memory with the graphic. But the point is, is that if we didn't have that graphic, mind you, the graphic was actually leaked on a Stanford University YouTube video. If we did not find that, um, we don't know that we would actually been able to have proven this information that JIRA existed, and that is a private software that they're communicating on. I think I think uh, Congressman Matt Gates is going to interview you now. <laughs> What's up? Uh, this is the difference between Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates. For me to get my chance to be on Timcast, I had to drive into the middle of the fucking woods. <laughs> and you all come here for the Lauren Boebert experience. So I get the difference. But I, I mostly came by because when I had the chance to, to go out to Timcast land, you said I was your favorite congressman. And I, I firmly believe that that's because you had not yet met Anna Paulina Luna and so many of my colleagues who, right. who were here. But I was just glad to be on because so many people, I, I, after you go on Timcast, there's like this whole experience where you get to read the comments and all of the great things people say about Ian. And, and what, what I didn't appreciate when I went on your show is how many people who wear their name on their shirt every day watch. And when I went out to uh, events in my district, the law enforcement that provided security said they watched him cast. Wow. The, the teachers in the schools who are out there fighting against the woke culture and the critical race theory say they watch you and they get inspiration. Uh, the, the folks who come out of the kitchen at the restaurants where I ate, who were back there watching dishes and slinging hash, said, you know, we watched him pool. And when he said, that he thought you were a fighter, we knew we could believe it. And wow. it's a, it, it was a very powerful thing. It was, it was great to spend time with you out in the wilderness, but quite something to see how the people all over this country who work hard and expect more out of their government really believe in you. And one of the things we're fighting for on this debt limit, work requirements. 
we got to have a strategy that unites 222 Republicans. And you know what? There are times that's not the case. There are times when Anna and Lauren and Byron and Jim Jordan and I have to go out on a limb and engage in fights that nobody else is willing to engage in. But to deal with the fact that our country has maxed out our credit card debt and we have to reflect on our spending habits as a consequence means we got to have people from center right, from the perspective I represent, get together. And what we've been working on is to sell people on the idea that if you can go to work and you choose not to, maybe you shouldn't expect the other people who go to work to pay for all your shit. You know, your health care, your transportation, your child care, your cell phone bill. And so I appreciate the form to be able to do that. And that's the next big fight. We all, we, every great general fights the last war. And we got to fight the next one. And the next one is about how we deal with this country's fiscal crisis. And I think there is, there is no greater cause that, we, that can unify us uh, than, than the idea that you should have to make a contribution. And in states like ours, you know, we're Floridians and we're very proud Floridians. But in Florida, when we tried to seek waivers from the federal government on things like food stamps to do work requirements, the federal government said no over and over again. And if we just unlock the potential for states to be able to pursue these policies, my belief is that under our great federalist system, the ideas that are best will rise to the top and we'll see them replicated. And we got to create that space. So that's what we're working on here in this building. And good to have you guys here. Right on, man. Do you want to? You guys want to? Yeah, no. Um, to to really Matt's credit, and then also to with something that happened during the speaker debate is that um we actually had gotten a commitment from leadership to ensure that there would be no just blank check spending for the debt ceiling, and I think that's important to note because when you don't have these discussions and you just simply go along to get along these things won't get accomplished. So I feel like this Congress, granted, I haven't been serving that long, but I do feel like this Congress is a lot different than others because of that. And so it was an accountability mechanism that needed to happen. And you guys will see it. I mean, I can tell you, and I support everything that you just did this week regarding Ukraine. Obviously, no more blank checks for Ukraine. And I think that that needs to be a more common sense approach. You know, I hear a lot of people wanting more, but no peace talks. And I think that we can agree that we're not going to give any more money to fund that. That's not our war. And when people speak on behalf of our national defense we're talking about people like anna like her husband andy who wore the uniform who fought for our country who provided some of the most elite level talent you could ever muster for the sake of a nation and when we talk about having a rational defense budget we don't for a moment mean that we ought to surrender the high ground to china or limit the tools that our warfighters need but maybe all this hundred billion we send to ukraine ought to get a little more scrutiny than we have mm -hmm. offered it. And that's what I think can at times unify the populist right and the populist left. And it's a constant theme on your show. And it's sad to me how rare that occurs because there are things like surveillance policy, foreign policy uh, that could bring together those elements. And they've become so strident in their desire to just wear the blue shirt that they actually don't represent some of the populist views that that they once ran on. When uh, when you came on last time, you mentioned potentially bringing on members of the squad or to have a conversation. And uh, I'm always down for a conversation in that capacity. But I got to be honest, I don't find them to be uh, genuine. I find them to be quite disingenuous. Notably today, uh, I mentioned it several times in the show, AOC's mentioning of the Boston Children's Hospital, libs of TikTok. 
just completely untrue. And it, it seemed like a performance for Twitter more than actually getting to the root of these issues with, with, with Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm talking about our Twitter followers. Instead of asking calmly and reasonably, hey, let me ask you about these circumstances that we view to be, you know, a problem. There is an account that we believe spread lies. It's, it's bombastic. It's performative. It's outrageous. And I just, I don't trust it. Well, maybe they used to have more optimism about their cross-sectional appeal. Maybe when people like the squad, uh, when they got elected, they thought, you know what, we can talk to more folks than just the Democrat primary voters who sent us here. And this town wears you down on that theory. Everything about Washington is to divide and to separate and make you believe that your only path forward is with the people who wear the color of your jersey. And there are times when we don't feel that way. Uh, you know, Anna had to win her election to get here, beating the establishment. The establishment went against her every time. She had to run against a lobbyist her first time. And I'll just tell a you this. She, she will, <laughs> yes, she will probably confirm what I'm about to say, but almost every person in this town lined up against Anna because, she, oh, she didn't know Washington and she wasn't part of the system in the game. I and wasn't I, a serious candidate. Right, wasn't a serious candidate. And what I saw was someone who actually, if she got here, was going to be able to fight for her constituents untethered from those corrupt influences. And while it took her to to uh two elections to get here it's all the sweeter actually to get someone here who's willing to fight the establishment and and you get that from people like lauren bobert who have to take out an incumbent in a primary you get that from people like anna who have to take on an establishment lobbyist literally to get here and part of what we fought for in that speaker fight was uh, the opportunity to bring more folks to Washington of those experiences and to not have such a concentrated influence of the uniparty through the PACs and the special interests that no matter which political party, Republican or Democrat wins, it's always their people. Now we're starting to get some of our people here and glad you were able to host a number of them tonight. I, I really want to ask you, Matt, about the, you know, the Kevin McCarthy stuff. Because uh, he said something recently, correct me if I'm wrong, because I only saw a, a bit of the, the, the Twitter postings, that the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt was just doing her job. He had said previously he had insinuations about Donald Trump working for Russia, things like that. And, you know, you, you stood up to the establishment along with many other members of Congress. But, you know, you were you were allowed your vocal. It's one of the reasons I said you're my favorite member, because I just I like seeing someone go to the machine. I, look, I cheered for AOC when she beat Crowley back in 2018, because I, I want to see people tell the machine enough you know, knock it off. I'm curious now on your thoughts on Speaker McCarthy. He gets elected. He's, uh, uh, you know, he removes Schiff and um, Swalwell from the Intelligence Committee, which I agree with. I, I actually agree with your initial argument on Ilhan Omar that removing her simply because she said things you don't like doesn't seem to make sense. But uh, how did you end up going on? You, you ended up voting for her removal? Yeah, I did. I didn't feel good about it, to be honest with you. I uh, believe that had Ilhan Omar not voted to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from their committees that she would have found a great deal more support. Uh, I, I think that was ultimately the decision maker, not just for me, but probably for a handful of members that, you know, if you're going to adopt this terrible paradigm and then you're not willing to live by it, that's actually the swamp. That's actually what we see too often here. And that hypocrisy had to be dealt with in some way. But here's what I know. If 
the normal rhythm of this place is that every time power changes hands, you got to go nuke some of the loud people on the other side who you don't agree with. It will actually be Lauren Boebert and Anna Paulina Luna and Matt Gates who will get nuked next. We have to understand that. And so I hope this ends it. Uh, ultimately, what got me there, look, uh, McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries both agreed this has to end. And I hope it ends at, at, at this standpoint. The, the Schiff and Swalwell thing is very different because they can be judged based on their acts. They took actions that hurt our country by lying about intelligence. Uh, I do not believe that Congresswoman Omar did that. I think she uh, had made comments that upset the various groups of people and that that achieved a critical mass at some point. But sometimes we've got to listen to the dissidents, right? Um, sometimes we have to be thoughtful and introspective and reflective about what people say who don't always align with the traditional dogma of this place. I, I also, too, though, think that Representative Perry brought a great perspective, which is ultimately why I voted the way that I did, which was, you know, you have to be careful on the speech aspect, right? Because next cycle, if we don't have the gavel, ultimately, they might say that something that we said was offensive and wrong and try to remove us from committees. Um, so to be clear, she's still on committees, but she also did something that is really bad, especially when you're on foreign affairs. And, and that is that she, all kidding aside, um, basically had engaged in immigration fraud. And so I think that when people are being looked at for their committees, what they bring to the table, I think that that's an important note. Yeah, but by what standard? OK, by what standard? What what we because there were some news articles, we automatically assume that that's the truth. I mean, there were a lot of news articles about me that were false. false. Right. And so I, I have a higher standard for due process than that. We have an ethics committee and we have an ethics rule that says that if you bring discredit on the House by your actions, that then you can be expelled from this institution and that we are ultimately the arbiters of our own membership. And so I don't love the fact that we remove somebody without that due process. I, I do believe that a number of us got Speaker McCarthy to agree that in the future, there has to be some ability for people to appeal and and uh, have a potential removal examined more thoroughly. Uh, but, you know, there were a lot of Republicans who were waving their pom-poms about that vote. I cast the vote. I do believe on committee membership, the speaker deserves deference. But if this becomes a situation where we cancel people in the Congress on committees based on their perspective on certain things that don't align with the traditional dogma, then I'm probably the next one on the chopping block. Uh, so I got a question for both of you. Uh, how would you rate Speaker McCarthy's performance thus far? I, I would give Speaker McCarthy an A. I would. And he has kept his commitments. He has reaffirmed his commitments. I am eager to get the 14,000 hours of January 6th footage out. And if you had been in some of the depositions I've been in these last few days with FBI officials, getting that information out is critically important. Our Weaponization Subcommittee has already begun the process of collecting documents and interviewing whistleblowers. And I, uh, I am deeply concerned about the extent to which that undercover federal officers and confidential informants that were working for the federal government could have animated some of the criminal acuity of that day. Um, also, too, for those who are looking and watching this right now, I actually spoke to uh, Speaker McCarthy's office and he said that if you do have a case and that you feel that footage might actually help your case to prove that you are innocent, that they will actually work to get that footage to you. So to contact your member of Congress and then they can work to do that. So I think that for people watching, obviously, there are many different circumstances. And so people deserve to write, have the right to defend themselves and they deserve the right to access to that footage. And they have that now. Well, just look at the today. Today we passed 
passed a Thomas Massey bill that carried with it a Lauren Boebert substantive amendment. <laughs> this, this is the type of stuff that you would not have seen in a traditional Congress where the people who have access to the floor and the amendatory process are those who are blessed by the lobbyists. And Speaker McCarthy, to his great credit, was willing to give the power back to the members and a meritocracy develops as a consequence of that that you don't get when it's just about who writes the checks. So does it feel like, at least for you guys, the people are starting to win back control? Yeah, I mean, listen, think about just that question from one of the last questions you asked me when I was on your program. You said, Gates, how worried are you about retribution? That was your, your, your belief was that what we, the, the force that we had brought on this place would result in us being punished. And instead, it's our amendments, our bills, our ideas mm -hmm. that are driving the discussion. And you know what? We're not going to win them all. We're going to get beat sometimes on the floor on the ideas we present. Like when Marjorie Taylor Greene put an idea up to limit the president's ability to just issue an emergency over everything and everything. That lost. But we're actually willing to take votes on amendments that lose. And I think that that brings the American people into the discussion in a far more fruitful way. What about uh, what's up with that abolishing the IRS? Well, I believe we should have the fair tax. I believe the American people should be able to choose how much taxes they pay based on their consumption. And if you want to go buy a Lamborghini or some like crazy expensive skateboard that some dude, you know, makes in his garage, <laughs> then all the better. But then you can pay the taxes on that. And what frustrates us is that oftentimes we're just funding the bureaucracy. It's not even like we're extracting money from the American people to go to their needs. We're extracting it to fund a system that picks winners and losers and the powerful and the elite and the connected get get access to that system. So so let's, uh, I'll give you a hypothetical. If um, we could, probably very difficult to do, but if, let's say we were able to isolate specifically bloated bureaucracy spending. If we could take all of that money and apply it to healthcare, government spending that money instead on helping people with healthcare, would you be in favor of that? Well, I, I absolutely would, but but let's look at the VA, which is something that Anna and I have talked about at great length, not just in the policy space, but as it literally relates to, you know, our, our families and the people we love. If we abolished the VA and gave every veteran a card that allowed them to get fee for service at any healthcare provider that they walked into in this country. And if you want to provide healthcare in this country, you better be willing to provide it for, to a veteran for the amount that we would pay for at that rate. Then you could eliminate the bureaucracy and you could spend all the money that is appropriate to that bureaucracy actually on healthcare for veterans. Yeah, if, I, if that was an option today, I guarantee most vets would go that route. And one of the most frustrating things is that, especially during what happened with COVID because of the bureaucracy, um, a lot of veterans that did need help, especially that had PTSD that needed to talk to doctors, weren't getting the help that they needed. But, but if we're going to do universal health care, which is the essence of your question, in exchange for bureaucratic inertia and bureaucratic waste, there's no more fruitful space than the VA and no more meritorious space. Yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. Again, um, systems like the VA, mind you, 
service members do essentially pay into that. And so that's a friendly reminder to people. A lot of people say, well, the military has socialized health care, but we are literally paying back into that system. So for me, from that perspective, I mean, there's so much broken with the VA. President Trump did a lot of good, but there's still so much that needs to be fixed with it. And so I just anyone that ever advocates for socialized medicine, I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're starting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm also very glad that this time I get to talk to you. I, my voice actually works. I was like, Matt, thanks for coming. That's what they said, the, the magic of the last episode was that you couldn't talk and that Ian was giving us brilliant take after brilliant take. Yes. Serge even got in the action. Yes. Hey, I want to ask, let me, I'll, I'll say this here we are because I want to ask you and both of you guys really. What do you guys think about like setting up an application or an app or something where people could allocate a portion of their taxes, like a sliding thing where you're like, okay, first of all, it's like a, well, I'll say Tinder, like you swipe right if you like this, this idea, they want to build a fountain on Main Street. And then you go into your little thing and you can slide, I want to put 3% of my discretionary tax money towards the fountain. And this and that. And then you've got like, you have to do 10% minimum for the police, 10% for the fire department, 30% for black budget military, because what the heck, you know. But uh, <laughs> you, get, you get some you control. You get some control over your tax, where you put your taxes, and then maybe the system can sort itself out. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that would convert our republic to a direct democracy, right? And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about direct democratic inputs to the appropriations process. And I don't know. I, I, it's crowdsourcing the appropriations process. We had a look, we're just trying to crowdsource the appropriations process among the elected representatives. <laughs> and we about had to burn this place to the fucking ground yeah, to they do were calling it. calling extortionists, terrorists. I mean, everything. In yeah, between. but I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, it could be like an amalgam, like a uh, maybe keep direct. it on like the blockchain or something, so that it's every and we could view it at any time, right? So yeah. we make sure that they're not fixing it on the back end. Have it on like nine different blockchains at yeah. once. Nine. Yeah, come on, Laura. Laura's in. No, so I, I think we're about to go private here in yep. just a minute. Um, so uh, I just want um, Matt to really give the perspective of. Anna as a freshman going into the speaker fight oh because that is absolutely massive. I mean, she came in like a boss and said, no, I know this place is broken. I ran on Congress being broken and I'm here to fundamentally change it. So for those of you who are going private, you'll you'll get some exclusives on that. Yeah, this has been awesome. So we're going to we're going to try and get this uh, members only segment up. We had four microphones planned. Apparently only two of them worked, but I think we made something work. And I'm, I'm really excited. This is awesome. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago, Bobert's team reached out and said, can we do a show here so we can get everybody in? And it was perfect timing with the State of the Union, with the Twitter stuff. So it'd be really awesome. Maybe maybe next time and there will be a next time we'll uh, we'll build the system for a mobile setup well in advance because I think we only had like three days to try and build a whole system to drive in a car and set it up. But I think it'll be even better next time. What we'll do now is we will uh, go to the members only segment. So become a member at TimCast.com. Go to TimCast.com, click join us. And in about one hour, we're going to have a, a uncensored members only show. And I just want to mention, you know, Matt Gates comes in and he's swearing already. So maybe maybe it'll be a bit more exciting than it already was. Very, very fun. So uh, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. You can follow me at TimCast. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Uh, Congresswoman Luna, do you want to shout anything out? Um, yeah, Matt Gates was one of the only representatives to actually uh, even talk to me during my initial race and then came down and helped me. And so I actually owe him a lot for being here. So Matt's probably why I dove into the speaker's race the way that I did. <laughs> I trust, trust in Matt. <laughs> right on. I don't know if... Uh, uh, Congresswoman Boebert or Gates, do you want to say anything before we wrap up and go to the private segment? Uh, 
Hey, I just, uh, I, I'm so grateful for for everyone joining today. Um, welcome to my congressional office. Uh, it's in total disarray right now, um, but my family's been in, in the background of your shots the whole time. So, um, Tim, thanks so much for coming out here. You know, it, we we are doing amazing things up here in, in our slim majority. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House, but we are paving the way um, for policies that will actually work when we do get these things uh, back and, and we have that control again. So we can really get America back on track. That's why I'm here. I'm here so my four boys, three of them are running around. They were just uh, wheeling chairs and having races out in the hallway. Uh, I, I'm here so my my boys will not live in a socialist nation. And, uh, you know, being a mom of four boys, you know, I, I'm not raising them to be children. I'm not raising them to be little boys. I'm raising them to be men. And that is so dang important right now when liberals are trying to teach them to be women. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to fight for in this country, but um, Jesus is Lord, and I'm so happy to live in this in this free country. And I do have hope. If I didn't, I would go home. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to use your office so we could have so many awesome people come down and talk to not only everybody watching, but that we, we got the opportunity to talk to all of you as well. So just one more thing to stress. I see a lot of people are, are becoming YouTube members, but the members only show will be at TimCast.com. On the left side, you'll see a join us. You click that. You sign up there and then we're going to upload this. You'll see it on the front page of the website in about one hour. So I will leave it there. Thank you all so much for hanging out and for, for supporting us thus far and for being members. And stick around. We should have this members-only show coming up for you in about an hour, and we'll see you all there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.